Welcome to God is Open. I'm your host, Christopher Fisher, and we have Dr. John Fisher on board tonight as well. How are you doing, John? Doing good. How are you? It is a great day, and uh, we are going to... Um, so here's the thing. I was watching this debate the other night, and it's called Is Molinism Biblical? And I start. I picked it up. I didn't. I didn't want to watch it because it's James White, and then you get this condescending, like slow, slow speech. Like, and then I thought to myself, pause, pause. This, this, this. Like, oh, he, he he does that in discussions too. Oh, it's it's awful. Um, <laughs> it, it's so it's what he's talking to himself. It's a condescending cadence, and uh, perhaps that's that's his speed of thought. Perhaps. That's how fast his thoughts come to him, but I don't know. It's it's just it's just very very tedious to listen to. So I jumped in and I jumped in uh, during the cross examination section, and it was brutal. I had to turn it off. I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I couldn't watch it. I had to turn it off. I was just oh, I was like this. I guess we're gonna have to do a cringe cast on this. It's just right. so very. I couldn't bad. watch it, so now I get to watch it. I know it's <laughs> oh, you're, you're gonna feel. You're gonna feel dirty. <laughs> feel dirty. Okay, so so this debate is is Molinism biblical, and uh, how both participants seem to translate this question is: Does my system of beliefs make sense logically? <laughs> Which is not the same thing as saying something's biblical. It's like I got this system, and here's how it works. Also, here's a couple Bible passages. Uh, not really. And uh, one other thing I thought was interesting is that Tim Stratton thought that since he had the affirmative case, James White was obligated to actually use his responses as a response to his positive case. And James White wasn't under those presumptions whatsoever. And so there's this very they're awkward... They're not even talking to each other. They're not, they're not talking to each other. And James White oh, didn't boy. feel obligated to actually respond to use his opening to respond to Stratton, which some debate formats, uh, you don't have to, but I, yeah. if one person is taking up a positive case, the other person should be at least addressing some major contentions in their opening case. So you, you don't end up talking past each other. So the format of the de this debate, I, I don't like it very much at all because you'll see how James White acts in this cross-examination. Only ask me questions. You can't comment on my answers. Just a series of questions and no commentary. It's like, ah, oh, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's the worst form of debate. The best form of the debate is where you could actually get some crosstalk going about the principles. Yeah. And so if I was in a debate, I would want my cross-examination period. I, I should be at least able to comment and then have them comment against my comment and actually have some interaction. But James White would rather have a format where he can't be called to account or his answers, and it's almost like uh, a, a witness testimony in a legal trial. That your your conclusion, you have to build up all your little pieces of evidence um, during the debate, and then in the conclusion, piece together all your big contentions. And this is the big gotcha in the conclusion, rather than hashing it out in the moment mm -hmm. when people could actually dialogue and, and respond. It's a bad debate. <laughs> Here's this. Uh, Drew says, I refuse to address this because that wasn't exegesis. 
Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Drew McLeod gives me all my advice for my podcast. He said, why don't you compete with the Super Bowl, shoot high, and that, that way you can maximize your viewers by, <laughs> by, <laughs> by broadcasting exact same time as this football thing. And, you know, football's kind of boring. And I heard there's a team called the Bengals. I don't know anything about football. But remember back in the day, there there's a 64, Nintendo 64. And one of the games, I, I'm sure that the pitch went something like this. What if it's a football game, but it's actually interesting? <laughs> and, then, and then they came up with this game called NFL Blitz, yeah, where there's, there's actual, like, violence and and uh, interesting things that I don't I don't know your football would turn on fire. And... Yeah, and then they get like power throws, and you would always be getting fifty yards a, a run. Right, and so what would make the Super Bowl more interesting is if the other team had to face off against actual Bengal tigers. I would probably tune in there <laughs> instead of here. <laughs> Super Bowl in the Coliseum. <laughs> Bengals say they're gonna win it for Harambe. <laughs> But anyways, I'm going to hit play, and you can just see why I was so mortified by this exchange. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you want me to keep time, or do you have to... The, he's kind of quiet. Maybe he's not mic'd. Can you hear that very well? It's hard to hear. But he's, he's not talking-talking, right? He's just... Yeah, maybe... Maybe I'll fast-forward just a little bit. I want to agree with you. Yes, he's okay. louder now. Written in your book, the Forgotten Trinity, and by the way, I love that book, and I encourage people to get out out of it for years now. Um, but one thing that you say in there is, so he does this thing where he's like, "Oh, I, I read this book. I loved your book. Just just kind of watch these things that he's doing. You're kind of breathing a little heavy. You want to put the mic a little far farther away." You, you talk about the need to clearly define our terms. This is really feeding back on me. Um, you talk about the need to really clearly define our terms or else little else will be accomplished. So I think it's important for you and I to come to an agreement on what we mean by these different kinds of freedom that you just raised. So um, I'd like to start with what you dis uh, described as creaturely freedom because I want to understand that. So I, I propose that we use uh, chapter 9 of your own confession of faith, uh, the London Baptist Confession. And for the sake of the audience, I know you know it, but let me read the first two points of chapter 9. One, God hath endued the will of man with that natural liberty and power of acting upon choice that is neither forced nor by any necessity of nature determined to do good or evil. And they back that up with Matthew, James, and Deuteronomy. And then point two, man in a state of innocency had freedom and power to will and to do that which was good and well-pleasing to God, but yet was unstable so that he might fall from it, Ecclesiastes and Genesis. So before moving forward and discussing other kinds of freedom, can we at least agree right now, Dr. White, that this is a, a good working definition of what you refer to as creaturely freedom? Well, uh, unfortunately, the, the, what the confession is referring to there is pre-fall, so you would have to bring in two other right. aspects of the confession. So the first would be, the assertion of God's absolute sovereignty and decree and determination of all things that take place in time. And then secondly, the material in regards to uh, Adam's federal headship and the fall of man. So yeah. uh, yes, but that's not all it says. Right. Okay. But you do affirm uh, this confession. Yeah. So uh, this is, is, is Molinism biblical? And they're like, uh, here's a creed here that says something, yada, yada, yada. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. Good. Okay. So that helps me as we move forward. Um, 
I mean, if he's because building up a case that's to, exactly like, what but like if he's building up a case, this is what you think it is. Uh, and and then like here's here's what the Bible says it is, or something like that. So he's trying trying to that would be good. Interest. <laughs> well, what's the chances of that happening? I don't, I don't know. He, he's about to say that's exactly what the Bible says, right? That's what he's about to say. What I mean by libertarian freedom. Exactly oh, what I'm right. There's no difference. We <laughs> seem to both affirm the same thing, but call it freedom. So it seems that. Um, you want me to comment on that statement? Or well, just, you, you can with? maybe ask me questions here, but I'll, I've got some follow up. So I'm happy to let you call libertarian freedom whatever you'd like. Um, but be that as it may, I'm, I'm glad that we affirm the same concept. Because I do affirm that concept. That's what I describe as libertarian freedom. That's what. These, these, aren't, these, aren't, these aren't questions. These are. Sorry, sorry, sorry. These, got these are statements three that, I, questions. that I disagree with. All right. Well, okay. You've got three. We we're not three saying questions. the same thing, Can so no matter how, how hard you want to push it, we're not saying the same no, thing. I'm not sure what they're saying anyway. Okay. Yeah, I, this is as loud as it goes, I think. Yeah. Maybe turn your, your speaker volume up. Okay, so we both agree on the same concept. Number one, do you agree that God uh, was sovereign over the first sin? Yes. Good. I agree. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Number what, what do you what do you mean by sovereign no, I, over I, the first I, sin? We can talk about the, that later. We both agree that God no. was sovereign over the first sin. <laughs> no. Two. Do you agree that God decreed and predestined the first sin? Yes. Amen to that. Me too. Three. Do you agree that God? I, I don't think White's very happy that Tim Stratton is putting in the little side comments, and uh, you already saw him react once. Is that a question? Tell me your question. Well, well, he's saying he disagrees with everything, right? <laughs> like, like the side comments are trying to clarify. So far, his side comments are, this is what you actually think. And then he says, no. And he's like, no, this is what you think. And then let's move on, right? So he's telling him what he thinks as a side comment. Well, he, he's saying what he's thinking. He's, he's trying to say... You and I both affirm the same statements. Right, and White doesn't. At least he, White is saying he doesn't right here. White, I think, is trying to say that we mean different things when we say this. And uh, sure, me, I'm right, and you're wrong, is, is, is his contention. Right. He knew the first sin would occur before the foundation of the world and before he created the universe, or did he gain this knowledge at a later time? No, God decreed to did he know it? time. Did he know it or not before the foundation of the world? It's a nonsense question. No, it's not. It's, uh, well, if, if, if you can define your terms... We're still getting some breathing on your part. Okay, well, back, all I, okay, I'm well, simply all I saying... I'm simply... I'm, I'm going to answer the question, Tim. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to be railroaded. Okay? I've been down this road before. Hey, you've been debating for over 30 years, and doesn't, this is my doesn't, first, doesn't, so doesn't, doesn't matter. The, the yeah. point is this. The issues of everything to do with God's creation flow from his will. And I the agree. reason he knows these things is because he has decreed to act according to his nature. So did, what else? Did he, else ever, was, did he ever not know this? Is there any state That's of like affairs? asking, did he ever not know he was going to create and everything was going to happen in time? So he knew it from... It's, it's, you're, you're asking a time-based okay. question right, of an eternal me, okay. being. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, you, you've at least agreed with two, and I think you're agreeing with a third. So, Dr. White, all I needed for you to is to agree with at least one of those. Um, and so I'd just like to be the first to welcome you to Molinism, because you're a Molinist. Um, you are. You've affirmed the concepts. You have, Dr. White. You've affirmed the concepts that I've defined in my opening speech. 
All right, using the definitions. Okay, that is a statement, and I'm going to respond well, okay, to it good. as well, if it was a question. Okay. Am I affirming those statements? No, <laughs> okay. I am not. All right, you can. I am all right, not let me ask the questions. Let me ask the questions. Okay, we're losing control. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a wild debate so far. <laughs> yeah, so Tim Stratton has done a few things that are like almost self deprecating is oh this is my first debate and you've got 30 oh i've read your book and i love it you're gonna see more and more of this as we go on he is getting a little bit nervous so you'll you'll watch his heart rate increase and his body get some jitters and uh him painting james white as the superior party in this debate is not a winning strategy for looking okay. like he's competent so why doesn't he just say no? Yeah, so one of the things here is when did God know the things that he's going to decree? And James White's like, oh, that's a time-bound question. What is, that, is, is, does, is, that a, is that a concept that's intelligible, a time-based question versus a non-time-based question? Well, it's, he thinks any time-based question related to God is a nonsense question, though, right? That's why he was rejecting it. Yeah, so in Calvinism, they declare that God is basically a singularity, timeless, eternal, unchanging, immutable, um, outside of space and time completely. And so this decrees like an eternally simple decree. And uh, Tim Stratton, I think his question was, did God know what he's going to de decree before he decreed it? And James White thinks it's an eternal, simple act. So there wasn't actually a decision. There wasn't actually a real decree. It's just this timeless, immutable decree that all the reality operates based on it's it's no different than fatalism uh that's that's his idea of how this works i've asked three very clear questions um all right right all right let me move to the next question now that we're both molinists uh, in your in your book uh the forgotten trinity again i don't I know if he's book. convinced you anyone that most with that the, argument right? yeah so so the like, argument in itself, the argument's not a bad argument to say you are really X, Y, Z. You are really an open theist. If you believe God responds to prayer, you're an open theist. That's not a bad argument, but it has to be kind of intuitive. Right. I, I, I'm not sure if it's very intuitive what he laid out. Molinism ascribes these three points, and you agree with these points. Therefore, you're a Molinist. But even even White himself said, I don't agree with two of those three points. <laughs> but Tim Stratton says, if you agree with even one of those points, you are a Molinist. And so it, I, I don't know if that point is critical that anyone who affirms that point must I be a Molinist and anyone who doesn't affirm that point must not be a Molinist. I, I don't think that's the case. I, I seriously doubt that. In fact, it probably what's happening is that everyone's just watching this, and he looks like he's just sort of flustering for an argument, right? Yeah, that is. It was it, by their body language, their tone of voice. Tim Stratton is not getting the upper hand in this argument, although in no. a different setting, in a different presentation, it might actually function and work like he expects it to. Yeah, he, I, I think there's a lot of these things. Oh, he had the. I think within his opening, I went and watched their openings. And both of them, oh man, James White was incredibly cringeworthy. Like he puts these like little personal asides, he like writes them down and then he puts them in his presentation like they're cute little antidotes. He's like, oh, everyone turned to such and such Bible scripture. Uh, what I used to say that I'd hear rustling of pages, but now I hear people turning on phones. 
and it's just like so woodenly delivered. It's like literally you wrote that down, <laughs> you wrote that down, and then you just read you read it straight. It it wasn't like it wasn't like a cute memory that you're recalling in the moment. It it was like it's oh maybe it's like Mark Zuckerberg. He's pretending to be human. In the moment, but it's it doesn't come off as human. It comes I, out. I, I as... wonder if they're taught in seminary to try to do this. Like you know, what I think everyone who goes to seminary takes a course in delivering sermons, right? Yeah. And they, <laughs> they, there's like a trick to. I don't know if you've noticed, but like pastors will always have their three point sermon, which is like the third one is always the lesson, that sort of thing. And they, there's there's a very common delivery system where you could tell if you've seen enough sermons that people have like learned a certain pattern somewhere and they're always giving the same thing to it. When you go to various churches, you always get the same thing. I wonder if he's following that framework and then just, uh, he doesn't, he's, but he's not used to it. He doesn't know how to deliver it and he doesn't have the personality to make it work <laughs> anyway. Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's very wooden delivery. Yeah. And also Matt points out that he takes a bunch of uh, jabs at flowers Laid Flowers is in the audience and was part of his previous debate. So he makes comments like, I've debated some people in the audience. Ha ha. And the audience laughs. It's like, is that, is that funny? Did, did you guys find humor in that? Is that, is, is, is that a funny I, joke? You know, it's like a family guy <laughs> joke. The, whole, the pure humor of it is just that it's an inside joke. <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> That's it, what makes it funny. Yeah. Family guy, all the jokes are based on, if you understand the reference, you're just programmed to laugh. And so it's like um, um, Deliverance has like a pig scene or something like that. So if they say, oh, you, this lady is ugly, like a pig from Deliverance. And then they flash to a pig from Deliverance, like a little screen. That's supposed to be the joke. And you say, oh, I get that reference. Ha, ha, ha. I've ha. seen that movie. Ha. That, that movie, I saw that movie. And there was a banjo and maybe there's the banjo sound in the scene. And people are like, Oh, my memory has been jogged. Therefore, this is funny. And oh man, I just, I just can't even. It's a, uh, I, I can't stand that type of uh, humor. Importantly, we ought to be drawn heavenward by the very attributes of God that turn the worldly person cold, and in fact, are often the most offensive to the natural or unsaved man. Do we love God, all of God, including the tough parts of his nature, or do we refuse to bow before those elements that cause us problems? If we love God... So, so I will give uh, Stratton some credit. His opening, his opening speech, his opening presentation was not bad. It's, it's worth listening to. What were you going to say? This is cross-examination. This is cross-examination. And White has said maybe two words in the whole cross-examination? Basically. And so yeah, he's he's not starting a dialogue. What you want to do is kind of mm -hmm. get people thinking. And one, one great thing to do in cross-examination, if you have them forced to answer your questions, sometimes it's really good to make them tell you your own arguments. Mm -hmm. Just to make sure, number one, make sure that they understand your argument. And number two, then they are giving your argument for you. You don't need to do it. And so it's like, okay, what do I say about this verse in particular? Why do I say that this verse means Molinism? Why does uh, uh, James White had a debate with William M. Craig? And he, he might ask and say, why during your debate with William Lane Craig, did William Lane Craig say that the Joseph and Joseph brothers incident affirm the Molinist model and fit the Molinist model? What was the reason for that? And then White, 
he either appears ignorant and uh, gives says something like, oh, I don't know. Or uh, he, he gives the actual argument, which doesn't behoove him for his future references to his Bible verses. So you, you either expose yourself as a charlatan, and that's that's the third option. Maybe he's, he's just incredibly dishonest. So those are those three outcomes. So use your cross-examinations to make your opponents repeat your own points. And then you could ask them, okay, what's wrong with his reading of that? And so I, I don't see that going on in this cross-examination specifically. But, well, but I, he, I don't. I don't necessarily get the sense that these two people are hostile towards one another. In fact, probably the only reason they agreed to debate is because they basically uh, feel like they're mostly on the same team, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't get the impression. Oh, first of all, I think White thinks he's very much superior to Stratton. Stratton, but, but we, that would be true just because of the age difference. Yeah, there's the age difference, but Stratton. Uh, comments on books that white's read and he comments on his debates right. and things so, like that so stratton ad adopts that framework he agrees that he's the uh the l lesser of the two yes that's why the thumbnail for this cringe cast has a guy licking a boot <laughs> because <laughs> the drink <laughs> because that that's all that's why i had to turn it off it, it got so bad it's just like his him being a sycophant towards James White and James White is just uh, digesting it and not giving him anything in return. So it's Tim Stratton giving all this lavish praise without anything to show for it. James White's not appreciative of it. He doesn't give him more kudos for it. He doesn't interact with him more generously because of it. He just it, takes it as his just due and just... I, I can't use some of the words I might want to use. It just <laughs> vomits on Stratton. That's that's what, what what this reminds me of. God, we will not dare to edit him to fit our desires. But Dr. White, the, the irony here <laughs> is the I. What'd you say? I'm pausing. You said you ceased to be a Molinist. I said you just ceased to be a Molinist. So thank you. <laughs> All right. He brought his own timer to the debate. <laughs> Dr. White, the irony here is by is that, I mean, you're now a Molinist, so I'm a little con uh, confused. But if you reject Molinism, you would be editing God, subtracting from his perfect power or knowledge, because it causes problems with your philosophy of Ed, which is nowhere found in Scripture, which is what you have to affirm to demonstrate that libertarian freedom is... We're getting some no sounds again. It seems that you're okay, that's violating... A, that's a question. Let me finish. That's a question. No, it's not. It seems that you are violating your own rules expressed in the Forgotten Trinity. So here's, here's my question. Do you affirm that prior to the foundation of the world that God exists necessarily as the perfect standard of power and knowledge, yes or no? Okay, I'm going to answer the question that was first asked. You made an entire speech that was filled with false assertions. I'm going to answer that. I am not contradicting what I said in the Forgotten Trinity. So, so Stratton, uh, he kind of got out of hand here. And since he went on this big kind of ramble and then ended with a question, James White felt justified by going to what James White thought was major elements in the, this rambling speech. And so Stratton is losing control of this debate. He's asking the questions, but he's losing control of the answers. And he, what, he's not asking questions. 
That's yeah, a big he, problem. Yeah, it is a big problem that he's not asking questions. He's he's making a series of assertions, which sometimes is okay, but you want James White getting contradicting himself on record rather than making assertions. That's what you should be doing with your controlled time that you're controlling. Right. I, I suspect he's had plenty of time during the debate to, to clarify these assertions anyway, right? They don't have any interaction. They didn't have interaction during the debate. They kind of did their own separate things. And I think there was a brief but, rebuttal but period. doing a separate thing because he's reading his prepared cross-examination strategy, whatever it is, right? Yeah. They, so they, that's what they do. Strategy is definitely like, if, if that was what he's going to do, he could have clarified everything during the debate and then used the cross-examination time for more engagement. Right. Instead, I, they're just using this as extra time to talk. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. I'm going to hit play. And in fact, I would say it's Molinism that is fulfilling that because it is God's absolute sovereign freedom over all, including the decisions of man, that Molinism rejects. That's the thing that you all don't like, and that's why you've come up with your system. Mm -hmm. So I am not in any way... There, there, there's a lot of uh, mind reading going on there. It's like, here are the the reasons that you came up with the things that you're doing. Like, okay, that may or may not be true, or it might be a hallucination on your part. That's a rhetorical argument. It often works. Right. It, it's not like, like, obviously, if you step back, that's a bit of a weird thing to say. But it, in terms of winning debates, that sort of thing can work. Because you give the other people the impression of what they're doing, and if they... If they start trying to defend themselves in an ineffective way, then they, then they even sell what they were doing. Even though it's even if it has nothing to do with what they were actually doing, if they can't really defend themselves against that argument, they give that impression. So, I mean, if your if your goal, this is one of the problems with oral debates in the first place, is that if you're giving those debates, there are plenty of ways to break down a person so that they could they could appear as though they don't know what they're talking about or they have malicious motives or anything like that. Uh, mm. I, I think, I think some of the, I, I've seen a lot of the Christopher Hitchens debates and that's basically, that's what always happens. He, he's always going for a rhetorical shot at people and people either just take it or they, um, they don't know how to handle it. And so it, they give off the impression that they, they are exactly what he says of them. Yeah, it's really hard. Uh, we, we talked about rules for radicals uh, previously. It's really hard to defend yourself from ridicule and from character assassination. And if you respond to the character assassination, you're re-emphasizing that a character assassination in the first place and uh, kind of almost accepting its premise. Uh, oh, you're a racist. Oh, I'm not a racist. I got a black friend. Okay, now you're just kind of confirming to people like, oh, you got these superficial things. You're talking about racism. No, it's it's better either ignore and or just strike back real hard against yeah, the person attacking and you. And you also give your accuser the position of authority by by defending yourself in that way, right? They, they now have assumed a certain level of authority over you simply by making you have to sort of dance to whatever accusation they've hurled at you. Yep, absolutely. Consistent with my um, statement. So the actual question was, uh, do you affirm that prior to the foundation of the world, God exists necessarily as the perfect standard of power and knowledge, yes or no? 
Well, of course, God is. This is a debate. Is is Molinism biblical? And so his question is like, uh, do you think that God is perfect being theology? I'm like, oh man. <laughs> then you affirm middle knowledge. No, I do not. God, no, I'll tell you why. <laughs> because if God is the perfect standard of power, you're preaching then, again. Okay. Ask questions, please. Okay. He doesn't want to know why. He's a Molinist. All right, no, uh, next question. How much time do I have? You, you gotta, you gotta, if you want to make those accusations, you got to phrase it in terms of a question. You can't just make it a statement. You have to make them respond to, are, are you aware that Molinism teaches this? Does Calvinism teach this? Do you believe this? How, how, is that you, how are you not teaching Molinism based on what we've already discussed? Something like that. You, you got to trap them rather than making them do one answer and then leveling an assertion. So if you're going to if you're going to uh, let's say it's open theism and you your goal is to assert that they're really an open theist, you'd say does God process information outside himself and then make decisions or determinations based on this external information and then uh, respond in accordance. And then they, they'll say something like, oh, no, he doesn't have that type of knowledge. And you can say, oh, does God respond to prayer? And so either they say yes and affirm uh, what they just said was, is false and then affirm open theism or no and then have to go into this long diatribe. Oh, we could use the phrase, but it doesn't actually mean what it says. And they're, they're in this, this trap where there's a no-win situation. But he doesn't do that. He just, I, he, he like... He like cuts it off too quickly to make the assertions. <laughs> right, great, great, because they're they're not acting like there's someone in front of them the entire time. They're just monologuing. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Matt Chisholm writes, uh, Tim's monologues during cross were painful. Oh man, they were are pretty painful. Did you have anything else to add? All right. Okay. All right, based upon your book, The God Who Justifies, um, I've been reading your stuff for a while. I really I do look up to you. Needs to help you. Um, Dr. White, uh, you write. See, Ed, he doesn't gain anything from it. I do look up to you. I, I, you're, you're helpful. I read your books. Uh, the most awkward part of this, uh, this cross examination is the time that uh, James White takes off his shoes, slips over his feet to Tim Stratton. Tim Stratton starts massaging his feet. While, while, while James White berates him. <laughs> I love you, Tim. I love you, too, man. He doesn't. You could tell from James White's tone of voice, he doesn't love him. It's just like, you're a little child. Your points are stupid. You're a stupid man. Don't talk to me. That's his I love you, Tim. That, that's what I'm getting from that. I love you, Tim. You're a little kid. Go away. And Tim, Tim Stratton's like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, it's, this is fun. This is, we're jesting back and forth. We're bonding. Oh, we're buddies. You're not buddies. He doesn't like you. Uh, he hates you. Like my older brother. I mean, so say, I look at that. Wore the same jacket yeah, no. tonight. I don't All even right. know how this happened. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But my question is, can you let me get to this? Because now he's stealing all my time. I, he's a man. He's crafty. Okay. <laughs> let me get to this. That's like a couple of the words he said in the whole cross examination. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, this is painful. <laughs> you write, if God is the God of truth, then what He inspired will be consistent with itself. 
I agree with that. And you correctly imply that if God is the God of truth, then we can trust scripture. Would you agree with that? Okay. Mm -hmm. But on the exhaustive divine deterministic view um, that you must affirm in order to say that we never have libertarian freedom, then it follows that God is the sufficient cause of people having, of Christians having false biblical interpretations of scripture. Yes or no? Uh, not the Bible, not what the Bible teaches, no. Pardon me? That's not what the Bible teaches. The I Bible know, teaches, I know, that's why the I Bible rejected teaches, you. The Bible teaches that Christians are to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that God likewise, in his judgment, has sent false prophets and caused mm -hmm. people who refuse to love the truth to Do you have perfect love, theology? Love, I'm sorry? Do you have perfect theology? Uh, no, I do not. Okay, so where you're wrong, if God causally determines all things, that means that God causally determined you to affirm false theological beliefs, and now you have a defeater against God being the God of truth. So how do you reconcile no, God causing you to affirm false what? theological beliefs and also calling your, him the God of truth? Your, your argument just said that God is not in charge of my state of sanctification. I am to grow. Are you going to be your caused argument, and Your argument, Tim, would require you to state that the moment you were converted, that the moment you were converted, that you had to be given perfect theology. No, that's not what I'm saying. And that is no. not what the Bible okay. teaches. I'm it telling is you. God has, Tim, do you want an answer? Because I've, I've answered you on this before and you know that. <laughs> okay, so um, I, I feel a little bit for James White here, just a little bit for something he might point out later is that this is getting way off topic of the debate. Is Molinism biblical? And Tim Stratton, his argument is, if determinism is true, and God is the God of truth, and your theology self-admittedly does have some errors, then God is not the God of truth because he's predestined errors in your theology. That, that's the substance of the argument. And so... But I don't think James White even picked up that argument. He, he, his reaction was as though Tim was actually making that as though that is what Tim thinks, not some sort of logical one to the next for what white must believe yeah he doesn't develop it so it's like do you believe god is the god of truth yes he doesn't say okay what what does that mean or anything like that he just assumes oh it has all these implied meanings that are in my head therefore this my next argument is going to logically follow and all this leads to this leads to this leads to i gotcha and which is james white is is trying to pick apart that process rather than go into the gotcha yeah, like if a lawyer was doing this, he would be he would not just be declaring things in front of you because no no one in the jury would accept that. They right. they they need to make you feel like you're the one who's been got or at least come up with something where you look like you you're completely inconsistent. And he hasn't done that. Yeah, he's so sort of made his own propositions and declared what he what he wants to do with it. So let's pretend this is a trial and it's like um, were you mad at the defendant? And the person's like, yes. And then the guy goes through like a half hour monologue about why that means he murdered the guy going through all these steps yeah. like this yeah. and this and this. And like, what? That's just, you can't just make a monologue off of like a one little one word answer. And so, yeah, I, I do. I do see that like you. I wonder and, uh, if it's because just the way these people do theology, they're all about creating their perfect system. They don't care. They don't care what like like all they're doing is oh here's the given proposition that I have. Let's just run run off with my perfect system again. Okay, my Tim Stratton story. This Tim Stratton here. Here's what happened. I got invited to this chat, 
and uh, Tim Stratton's in it. It's just me and one other guy. The guy's looking for an open theist for Tim Stratton to debate. And Tim Stratton is like, oh, do you want to defend neo-Molinism? I said, well, I don't really affirm that because I don't think uh, Dignum Dio theology is actually biblical. I might have told you this story before. And uh, uh, then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm kicked from the chat. He doesn't. He doesn't want to debate with me because he doesn't. Because I'm, I'm not defending like a, a perfect being system theology in, in that metaphysical ether. He doesn't know how to handle it. Yeah, he, he can't handle it. He he needs he needs to be able to. This 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 debate here is framed as is Molinism biblical? And it would have been great if the debate was about that. But it's more of. Is my system, does it kind of work with these rules that I'm talking about here? Right. And then you, you look at the Bible a little bit. That's what they actually want. He wants he wants to be able to compare metaphysical rules in the ether, saying, if X, then Y, that these are these systems. And your system demands Z rather than Y. It, uh, it not not the best debate. And it, it doesn't make for good debating. Does this get better? <laughs> when it's White's turn, does does White turn around? Do I don't know. Like, I th I think I I turned it off before White came I, on. I think it was... we should switch to White because this is not. <laughs> we know well, what Tim's doing. Let's let's watch a little bit more groveling and then because <laughs> <laughs> oh it it hurts my soul. I I'm I'm losing testosterone. Oh, they're out of time. God's purpose is being fulfilled anyway. as he grows me in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that does not require that I have a perfect theology from the beginning. Right. But what follows is if God causally determines everything, then he causes you to affirm false theological beliefs about him. <laughs> Look at the body <laughs> language. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like i didn't know you get closing arguments when you're controlling the questions but look at his body language uh he, he's he's uh fidgeting he's kind of hunched over his uh he's doing the little leg dangling thing so he definitely doesn't look very confident in his cross-examination tim stratton doesn't and it's really funny because tim stratton went on his facebook after this i was told and yeah there's a post somewhere where he declared victory in this debate like okay <laughs> Tim is attempting to make nice. I found it unnecessary. It is unnecessary. It is so terrible. Let's get to the right time here. All right, Tim, I'd like you to uh, take a Bible, please, because this is a debate on mm -hmm. is Molinism biblical? Okay, so that's a good strategy. I'll ask you some questions about some of the texts that we have them looking at and get your response to them. Could you uh, look with me at John chapter 6, please? And could you explain to me, in light of, well, I, I suppose I need to ask a question. You have not. And so Matt says, um, there was a question about if, if Tim Stratton interacted with anyone before this debate. And I think he actually did. Braxton Hunter actually put a post where he referenced some practice debates with Braxton Hunter in preparation for this. I don't know. I don't think I've ever practiced a debate or anything like that. But uh, um, so I do think he has had some training, just like informal training. This evening, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have not this evening ever used the phrase true subjunctive conditional. Am I right? That's, that's correct. Do you accept or reject that terminology used by William Lane Craig? 
I don't reject it, but I typically use CCFs, uh, counterfactuals of creaturely freedom okay. instead. Would you, uh, would you, is it your position that, that those are the same thing? Uh, God clearly in scripture uh, demonstrates that he has knowledge of counterfactuals of creature, of at least a, a general rule of thumb. And uh, every, anytime I hear it now, I just think of this general rule of thumb. If someone says the Bible clearly teaches, um, whatever comes next is something the Bible does not clearly teach. <laughs> it's a rule. <laughs> it's a biblical rule. Whatever comes after that phrase is not clearly taught in the Bible. So they don't even reference a verse after that. <laughs> oh, he's 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 probably referencing David and the Kaliah incidents, where King David asks God, "Will the men of this city deliver me to Saul if Saul comes?" And God says, "Yes." And then the Molinists say, "See, God knows has propositional knowledge of all counterfactuals that can ever exist, always, ever." It's like, oh no, I I don't, I don't. That, that might not be the correct conclusion. Yes, this verse fits with your model, but it doesn't prove your model. It might be a talking point for your model, but it doesn't. that's not a clear teaching of Molinism. He possessed counterfactual knowledge, and it's what seems to be a creaturely freedom. So do you, do you have a problem with Bill Craig's assertion that these true subjunctive conditionals delimit God's decree? When has knowledge ever delimited anybody? Knowledge is power. And you can be ignorant and not know of what uh, might limit you. But saying that these true subju subjunctive conditionals no more limit God. It's like, it's like we're in middle school. Knowledge is power, and therefore power equals... I, I don't know what we're hearing. I, I don't... Knowledge can be used towards power. I don't think knowledge, quote-unquote, is power. I, it's it's a weird rhetorical talking point. Well, the whole thing is rhetorical because right now, James was about to actually use the Bible and then threw it down, right? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> slap. Wait, he, put, like, he, he started asking, do you think that, oh, wait a second, I should ask a question. It, it's face down. <laughs> but but now but what they're trying to get at right now is they both are saying what is what makes God the most powerful possible being ever. And and now they're disagreeing like if if I know something that doesn't ever happen, does that make me less powerful or more powerful? <laughs> <laughs> they're like uh, mine's more powerful because he knows more information. No, mine's more powerful because that thing doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, then saying God, an omnipotent God, cannot do the logically impossible. Just because God doesn't have the power to create a fourth person of the Godhead, we don't say, oh no, God is delimited. He can't create a but, world. He's delimited okay, by okay, this. Okay, that, that's fine, but the reality is, I'm just trying to find out if your Molinism is lesser than other people's Molinism, because there are all sorts of different takes and versions. Well, so you've got my your, book. Is, uh, lesser. It's called yeah, I, near I, Molinism, I, which I, is different from I, a lot of what I realize a lot of people that, argue. But... Holy buckets. So this guy, Tim Stratton, on all his online discussions with anyone, if someone asks him a question for him to explain his point, he's like, well, you could buy my book and read it. Like, oh, oh, and like every single time. It's like, well, I wrote a chapter on my book about that. And so... I, I think I've bought someone's book once in response to them doing that thing. And the book didn't at all address my question. It's like, either you got an answer or you don't. We don't buy your book on the off chance it might have that question answered. Right. You want to have something. You want to have more, right? You don't want to have, you don't want to wait and hide the thing. Yeah. The paywall. 
if you give me money, I'll give you an answer. <laughs> I guess, like, I guess, especially, especially if you're not invested whatsoever in what his answers are, <laughs> it's like you, you haven't warranted my money. And so I think James White is like the ultimate grifter in Calvinism. I think Tim Stratton is is or or is seeking to achieve the ultimate grifter status in Molinism. So I, I that's that's the feeling I get. I get that these two people are very sim similar in personalities and life strategies for making money. But mere but mere Molinism uh, still has to have middle knowledge as its key element. And when I say delimiting God's decree, do you believe that middle knowledge is taken into consideration by God in determining what are and what are not possible or feasible worlds? If God created a being or a creature who could choose between two options, each compatible with, its, with his nature in a specific circumstance, then that means the antecedent conditions are insufficient or, yeah, are insufficient to causally necessitate the creature's choice. Now, if the antecedent conditions are sufficient, then there is not two options, there is only one. So it's true, it's either true or false. That's why I kept saying, if libertarian freedom is even possessed once, even if it's by Adam, even if by pre-fall Adam, if Adam had that libertarian freedom, what you call creaturely freedom, so if Adam has that freedom, um, then uh, God knows how Adam will choose within his creaturely or libertarian freedom. If God has the knowledge prior to the creation of the world, how Adam would freely choose. In the London Baptist Confession, I've never seen any... And so Matt writes, uh, Tim won't achieve ultimate grifter status until William Lane Craig passes on the crown. Now, I, I don't actually see William Lane Craig as a grifter. I think he's someone who genuinely believes the things he's saying and kind of accidentally fell into wealth power, fame, and uh, just just general notoriety. And so I, I don't see William Lane Craig as a grifter, although he he does sound a little bit like Tim Stratton. I think Tim Stratton really likes the money. It, maybe, maybe he's desperate for money, so maybe we shouldn't fault the dude. Anything so clear, especially uh, going back centuries, so clear as defi to define what we mean today by libertarian freedom. If you affirm the London Baptist Confession, I mean, see, you're shaking your head out there, but we as Molinists, we, do, we, have, we know what we mean by that. I've explained what we I'm mean so by that. So close to talking about the Bible. Say, no, that's not what you mean by that. <laughs> Face down. <laughs> oh, please interrupt me. It's your time. Did God use this alleged middle knowledge in determining what worlds he could feasibly create? Yes or no? That, I'd like to know the answer to that question, Tim Stratton. <laughs> what worlds he could create? This that's, is a, that's like this saying that God. This is, a, okay. this is not something that Bill Craig and I had to argue about. All right, but I wish uh, you should have talked about it. Um, we did. Do, do does God use His knowledge that He cannot create a fourth person of the Godhead? That's not what I'm asking. To dilemma, oh, man, he, he has no idea. You're changing my question. Well, as all it is, he, is he's, that God he's talking can't to stall. He's stalling to try to think through what the, what he was just asked because he doesn't know. I don't think he is tracking. I don't think he's tracking. Does God use his middle knowledge to decide what world to actualize? Like I don't know. I, he might he might understand the question or might not, but he doesn't know the answer for sure. So he's just 
stalling for time. It's so obvious. Logically <laughs> impossible, and no, that is that's not. And reformed the theologians, which that by the way, I, I am reformed by the way, and and reformed the theology. Not in this created world. <laughs> Let's, let's talk about it. I affirm election. I affirm predestination. I affirm Who monergism. Who chooses the elect? God. Freely? Yes. Based upon what he knows they will do, or, or can he save any person he chooses to save? God can force anybody into his presence that he wants to. I didn't say force anyone into his presence he wants well, to. Okay. Well, sure God I, can. God, and no reformed theologian would ever put it that way. Well, uh, let's go back to the London Baptist Confession. It certainly doesn't use the term it doesn't, force. It doesn't, it doesn't have force? Uh, no, well, let me see. it's not. Did it? okay. I was looking, oh, but, oh, you know who did say? I think it was Shed. I don't, again, coercion and force is not the term. Oh, let's, we okay, use. okay, okay, because you brought up the, the co coercion. But and no mold is like, oh, you put the gun so, here. Is, uh, I think it's a little bit funny because he's taking the literal understanding of what Calvinism implies, so he uses words like coercion and force. And it, like James White, he's like we don't we don't use those words. Yeah, it's, it's like it's, it's not like we disagree with that. We don't use those words. Those are not the best way of getting our ideas across. And here's the thing: this is what I find really funny. This he's asking Tim Stratton what Tim Stratton affirms, and Tim Stratton will answer and say, "Yeah, yeah he here, here's what goes on." He says, "Can God?" choose people without them doing anything without their free will decisions and tim surround says yeah god can force people to do that and then james white gets all offended he's like we don't use those words in my belief system <laughs> it's like hey 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 james white james white you're asking him about his system of what he believes what uh, he just answered yes god can force people to be in his presence that is one way one way in which God can ignore people's free will choice. Like open theists would agree too. It's like, is God, God is forced by our free will decisions to decide who gets into heaven or whatever, whatever however you want to determine that. Um, open theists wouldn't say, oh, God is limited by our free will. It's, yeah, God can do what he wants. So he could like force people to be places. It's, it's, it's not like, <laughs> it's, it's not complicated, James White. It's, but James White literally believes that God coercively forces everyone to believe everything. So he takes his offense of the word usage. Yeah. We don't talk about a gun to the back of your head. What we talk about is God creating the antecedent conditions that are uh, sufficient to causally necessitate. It's like when I was telling a story to this Planned Parenthood worker that we used to work with at Perkins. And it was about when I was harassed by a cop at Planned Parenthood. And I start the story. It's like, well, I was protesting abortion at Planned Parenthood. And she's like, oh, I already don't agree with the story. It's, I'm telling the story. It's my, you can't disagree with the story. I'm telling this. It's my story. <laughs> you, you, what, what is happening here? You don't, you don't get to disagree with my story. <laughs> that's not something that, that's what's happening in this debate. The effect. They're either, man, I got. But you're not, but you're not. Okay. I, I'm, let's, let's get back to the question right. I'm trying to ask. Uh, this is sort of foundational. Before we can get into the biblical stuff, I just need a simple answer. Are there worlds that God did not create 
because of his middle knowledge. How's, how's that? Is that, is that, is that a <laughs> Sure, and I would one? say there are worlds that God didn't create because he can't create a fourth person of the Godhead or make atheism true so I also. So the choices of men, when they would accept Christ, the conditions, do you believe that God knows what conditions to put someone into so that they would freely accept Christ? Yeah, Tim, Tim is stalling. So uh, Molinism absolutely affirms that God used his middle knowledge to actualize the current world we lived in as opposed to worlds which he didn't actualize. That That's absolutely what Molinism teaches. And Tim Stratton could have just yeah. said yes, but he doesn't. And is, do you think he doesn't know the implications? Or I, th I think he's... he's stalling? I think what he's doing is he's trying to figure out in his mind where James White is going and trying to head him off at the pass, which instead looks like he's just incompetent at, right. at answering the question. So it doesn't behoove him. Because to... his own, he, he thinks his own ideas are weak then at that point. Yeah, he, he's trying to head or, him off at the he, pass. Yeah. And if you don't know where someone's going, heading them off at the pass is, is a terrible, it, it makes you look awful. It makes, it makes your position look weak. It makes you look kind of ignorant. Yeah, like you said, William Lane Craig could get, just give him a yes or no answer to this. Yeah, but but I'm yeah because I'm getting the sense I'm not sure if he's stalling because he's trying to head him off or he literally hasn't thought through this. Because I think like to to me what I think James White is trying to say is if God used his middle knowledge to to decide which world to create, then human beings have still limited God in some way. That's that's what he's trying to do. Is, is that not? Does that sound right? Okay, so James White's argument, from what I'm gathering, uh, is that if God knows any specific circumstance to put someone in to make them accept Jesus and get them into heaven, and he doesn't actualize a world in which that takes place, then he's like condemning them to hell, or he, he's, he's, he's failing at his mission to save the world. I, th I think that's the end goal of what James White's doing here, if, if that makes sense. So it's basically an argument of God is failing to save people, therefore God's a failure. That's a pretty standard Calvinist argument. Yes. Does that involve regeneration? Or does it result in regeneration? It results in regeneration, if I'm understanding. Okay, so God knows what position, what God, context. God does all the work in regeneration. Okay, God knows what context to put individuals into who are unregenerate whereby they will accept Christ? Uh, no, I believe that the Holy Spirit uh, has to work. No one comes to God. No one seeks God. No, no, not one. God does all the work. He does all the drawing. He does all the work. I'm a monergist. Now, now, Tim Stratton now thinks James White's argument is going to be monergism versus synergism. That's not where James White's going. So again, he's, he's falsely concluding the end result of the, these questions and trying to head it off the pass again for not a, not to affect because that's not where James White's going. It makes it makes Tim Stratton look ignorant of some basic things. It, it doesn't look good on him. Yeah, it's it's also not helpful because you, you start talking about all these different concepts. He's just like flatly just running down a laundry list of statements again. So you're not really sure why he's talking about any given thing except that he's trying to attach himself to some creed somewhere. 
Yeah, so you're sitting in the audience. Um, James White's not asking about monergism or God solely working on the hearts of individual individuals. And uh, Tim Stratton, his answer is all about God using his sovereignty to regenerate individuals unilaterally. You're like, what the heck? What is going? Why? What is this answer? What What are you doing here? It doesn't look good. It, it's unrelated to the question. It, it is worthwhile to note that James White is actually doing rather well in cross-examination. Yeah, I think James White knows how to manipulate people into his conclusions. I think that's that's one thing he's key key on is 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 controlling a conversation, especially when he has control. I think that's why he likes this format, which is I get to ask questions. There's there's not a back and forth. There's not a dialogue. I could just say ask a new question or I ask the questions here. Here's my next question. And so I, I think he really loves this format. I think that's why he does it all the time. Just um, a monergist. I, I'm a monergist. And so. Uh, anyone who is saved is saved solely and completely through the application of the work of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Okay. What about the lost? Are they? Does is there is there just no position they can be put in where they? So notice how James White shifts, and he's like, "Okay, now we're talking about monergism. Great. I'm going to add that to my argument. You're digging your own holes, Tim." Would freely choose Christ. And um, is that based on yeah, now, I, I will just say, I'm not sure about that. And we've drifted into soteriological matters. That's not the topic <laughs> of tonight's debate, and I made that clear. Um, I can grant all five points of Calvinism for tonight's debate because there is no contradiction with, with what I have argued in my opening statement. So, so this is actually a pretty good thing that Tim Stratton is doing, and uh, James White's going to try to head it off, but he's just saying, Let's just grant all these points of Calvinism. That doesn't mean Molinism is false. And so if, if you're in a debate where it's going nowhere or they're trying to get you off subject, just grant their points. Just say, okay, uh, uh, I accept all those points just for the sake of this debate. Let's move on. Make your actual point. And James White's not going to like this. Let's watch him. My opening statement, I made it clear what I meant by that. That human, humans sometimes, even if it's just Christians, even if it's Adam, if there's ever a libertarian free choice anywhere ever in the history of creation, and God knew it prior to the foundations of the world, prior to his decree, then you've got some flavor of Molinism. Okay, then why did you come up with Trump? That's a different thing. <laughs> no. I don't know why you did that. I mean, talk about that. That's... Yeah. And so if you'd like to read about that, it's in the, the Mere Molinism Study Guide. Oh, uh, we've got that for sale. <laughs> we got that for sale. If you want to go buy my study guide to go along with my book, you can buy that too. Uh, just, just funnel me money. Includes resistible grace. Resistible, amazing grace. But let me tell you, for the sake of tonight's topic, is Molinism biblical? That's not under the scope of debate. So for t the topic of tonight, okay. Dr. White, okay. right. I will grant you your soteriology. I will Good. grant you all I'm five points. I'm not asking for you to do that. I'm not asking you to do that. And I See, James White doesn't want him to just grant those points. He wants him to debate those points because James White, his bread and butter is soteriological matters. Oh, how are people saved? And what's regeneration? And is it monergism or synergy? That's not part of it. This, this is, is Molinism biblical. It's, it has nothing to do with each other. And so, this, for example, Greg Boyd, uh, he was a Calvinist, and he was converting to open theism, and at some point in his life, he was an open theist Calvinist. He believed that God predestined all people's choices, but God could also make real-time decisions. And so 
In that way, both Calvinism and open theism were true at the same point, which which is a valid position. It doesn't doesn't contradict each other. If God is free, open theism is true, regardless of creaturely freedom. Tim Stratton understands this, and, and he, he's heading this off and saying, let's just grant all these Calvinist assumptions. James White doesn't want that. He wants he wants to debate these issues rather than Molinism. I, I, I deny the fact that Molinism can be separated from soteriology because the man who designed it designed it to be soteriologically well, significant. Okay. So here's, here's a good point. Molina actually got his uh, ideas from others. Molina was the first one to make clear distinctions and use the word the words middle knowledge and seems like but these go all the way the idea of middle knowledge goes all the way back to the AD 300s to the time of Augustine. So this is the argument that James White's making in response. There there's an individual historically who Molinism is based off of and since that individual believed that soteriology was a critical issue that's relevant to this debate Although within the debate, they define Molinism as God having middle knowledge. So I, I don't think this is, I think this is a complete tangent on James White. It has nothing to do with the debate. It's just what he wants to argue about. It's his gotcha point. His, his strength, and it's a, it's a sideswipe at Tim Stratton, who's not prepared for a soteriology debate, who's not there for a soteriology debate. And if White can make it about his strong topic, then... Uh, Stratton's going to be in a world of pain. Kurt, Dr. Kurt Jarris has recently written on this and presented Kurt papers. Jarris, that's who it was. Oh. Yeah, and, and, and Dr. Jarris, you can read more about this at veracityhill.com. But these ideas go back to the time of Augustine, way before um, Molina lived. So this isn't uh, Molina's attempt to destroy the Reformation. No, this goes all yes, the way back. So Molina was not trying to destroy the Reformation. I'll tell, well, I'll tell you this. I can I can reject everything. He I, was a Jesuit, right? Yeah, I, I reject a whole lot of stuff that he said. I'm just saying, hey, okay. he got at least two things so, right. And so, plus he believed in God. So should we become atheists? So, uh, so the key issue regarding libertarian freedom is in regards to this issue of the salvation of man, is it not? So how can we no. separate it out? No. Yeah, look, I... We should do it. Okay, he's actually, he's actually Tim, or Tim Stratton is actually doing well here. Uh, he's taken control of this cross-examination, saying this is irrelevant. These are the reasons. The things you're saying are false. you you got to actually prove your assertions. This, this is good performance. The, the dynamic is shifting. Another discussion. You brought up Ephesians 1. What's Ephesians 1 about? That God predestines all things. But the beginning yeah. of it is in Christ, adoption, yes. salvation, forgiveness of sin, right? Uh, yes, I, I am saying that. And look, I affirm predestined uh, predestination of I do you affirm double predestination okay so this is this is what you just need to do say for the sake of debate I'm just gonna affirm everything you claim about these issues and if they say oh you can't do that that's what we're debating tonight you say okay well let's just start operating on your presumed values that we just presumed in this debate and you could show me why that's relevant and, and you just don't get a counter assert that yeah these are actually super relevant that uh, they matter to the debate they actually don't. They don't function in the debate. It's just a side issue, and it doesn't affect the overall points. Yeah, he hasn't demonstrated that it's important yet. Yeah, so Tim Stratton, probably, if I was Tim Stratton, I'd just say, you think it's relevant? We just assumed all those uh, values. We just assumed TULIP, the five points. So you show me how they affect this debate. God can have middle knowledge plus TULIP be true. Where What's the contradiction there?
where's the contradiction? You can't just say because man doesn't have libertarian free will. Uh, you know, it's that that could affect middle knowledge, but it, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have. It's not like our free will generates the counterfactuals. Right, right. You don't have to have libertarianism to come up with many different possible worlds, right? There's just many different ways. You could have many different worlds, right? So that middle knowledge does not rely on libertarianism. Yeah, so you, you see James White's frustration. And this is actually where you want your debate opponent to be in a debate where they're frustrated. Their points are being undermined by fairly simple, intuitive things that you're saying. And, and <laughs> I think the big change came. It's like, let's just assume all your tulip is true. And proceed, James White didn't want that. And you, you see an instant ship, shift in his body temperature, in his body, his posture. Oh, yeah. Because I do. I do. I, I, I affirm predestination of all things. Name one thing that I don't think is predestined. Okay. <laughs> this was the time that I said we would gather questions. And I hope you all put your second grade uh, writing skills to good use. Wait, so, so it's uh, over? That, that's their debate? That's their debate. Is, is Molinism biblical? Um, we talk about the Bible once. We got the Bible opened and then placed face down <laughs> on the table. It's like, is Molinism biblical? Here's a passage, face down. So I, I guess James White wins for the effort of opening a Bible. Uh, that, that, that's, that's the only sign we had from either side in the cross-examination of any adherence to anything of the Bible whatsoever. Yeah. It's so funny. It's it's this hallucination that if my system is a very good system and it sounds good and it works together, then it's biblical. It's I, I think it comes from people like supercharging the Bible in their mind. The Bible is a supercharged document. So if you have some sort of supercharged system that you could build, that means it's it's biblical because the Bible apparently works with it or so. I, I, I know there's a tendency to think that, like, if it is true, then it is biblical, right? So all yeah. truth is biblical because if God is truth, right? So if you come up with something that's very true, then by its very definition, it is what God is, how God follows through with it, that sort of thing. It's like to, it's almost like trying to take that the clockwork idea of the universe to it to it in extreme end and then just like like it almost be like saying you know all scientific work is biblical right something like that yeah absolutely so it's be like is evolution biblical and the whole debate is if evolution is true or not <laughs> yeah no one cracks open a bible whatsoever and uh then then most of the debate is about like if the finches on Darwin's Island evolved in short periods or long periods <laughs> yeah. and everyone's just like, what is, what is this debate? I, ah, uh, it's since both of them are okay with this terminology, this biblical terminology, the debate proceeds like, like to, ah, uh, that's, it's not a biblical debate, but since they're both on the same page of what it means to be biblical, then you get away with this nonsense where none of them talk about the Bible or open the Bible or only in their opening statements and only tangentially. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of like this weird hallucination. So I don't know if we want to listen to some of the questions. Maybe we could grab like one or two questions, but 
Do you this, think Leighton Flowers asked a question? I don't know if Leighton Flowers. I didn't. I didn't watch the answers, and so maybe. So, if my volunteers could gather questions, they don't uh, do that anymore. <laughs> oh, nice! And so, this is actually pretty great that uh, they have volunteers asking the questions rather than people just walking up to the microphone. Because what typically happens if you just get a bunch of people to line up to the microphone, they'll give like like a three part treatise about something random that it's like, oh, the question, need, the question needs to be like two or three sentences or something yeah. like it, it can't be this monologue. And then answer, then the question is, what do you think about that? It's like Tim Stratton's understudy is in the audience. He gets up and gives his own cross-examination monologue. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we don't teach. Uh, only the homeschool kids still learn handwriting. Yes, you're homeschool, uh, right? Uh, yeah. uh, I'll yeah. get fast forward. Come on. Puppet is absolutely absurd. Okay. Man, you cannot. So with that in mind, let's reformulate your. Uh, he's shaking his head. Are you guys on mute? I don't know what's going on there. All right. Tell us your question. He's, he's kind of reading it, pre-reading the question. And then well, he's picking all... a different one. He's like, okay, not that question. They're oh, talking, did, we, right? did we lose volume? I think we're lo they're muted somehow. It's. It's not on my end. I think it's just the stream. It's, it's, yeah, it's the stream. It's like, so they're going to cut in and they're going to just be talking about something random. You're going to have to scoot up to a different A puppet question. is not, a, is not a, a person. A puppet is not a creature of God. Right. Uh, it is an inanimate okay. object. Uh, and therefore, to even make the application is no, one of the okay. reasons why all puppet time. analogy is time. completely well, right. Ask, uh, try to ask directly. Okay. okay. If God causally determines your nature, your desires, your wants, your thoughts, your beliefs, your actions. How does that not make you a puppet? Just being aware, consciously aware of what's going on doesn't make you any more, you're just a glorified puppet. I'm very, I'm, very, I'm very, very glad that we finally got to this because this is the central rebellion of man. You cannot have a God who fulfills Psalm 135, 6 or Ephesians 1 without coming up with this idea that, well, if God creates time and makes you as a part of time that turns you into a puppet that's the whole point no, it's of the got nothing to do excuse with time. me i'm going to finish my okay, answer go ahead. he's not answering so the question was does this these sequence of things make someone a puppet I, i'm not hearing the answer that's the whole point of my pointing to jesus the word became flesh he entered in and lived amongst us that means Amen. that what god created in time is central and vital and important to his own self-glorification. What do I disagree with there? And what that means is to remove that, to reduce that, as you just did, to some concept of being a puppet is absolutely absurd, <laughs> Tim. I do not even understand. Oh my God. It's just outrageous. It's just, He's like, you used the word puppet? <laughs> you were, used the word puppet, so let me tell you about John one, I'm going to read some verses and then be like, you're calling that puppetry. I'm outraged. Like, uh, like, <laughs> oh man, you're calling Jesus a puppet. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't call Jesus a puppet. I don't think Jesus operates like the random things that you just claim. Uh, the question is if, if someone is being literally controlled by God in all aspects, in every such, every way, 
is that a puppet or isn't it? You know, we could have a discussion about your your outrage later. But what would it, what would it take to be a puppet? Well, he 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 said that a puppet is something that's inanimate, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's his rule. Animation. That's, that's actually the opposite of a puppet. A puppet typically is animated by something or by someone. They got the little strings and they pull the strings, and there's yeah. definite animation going on there. <laughs> yeah. And so Calvinists have this really funny, funny relationship with language. Like words mean whatever that they want those words to mean in the moment. So they'll be like, God's not the author of sin. It's like, okay, what's the author of a book? Can you describe an author of a book? They wouldn't want to do it, especially if it's in the, if if you're just having a normal conversation with them and walk up to them and say, hey, I was was, uh, uh, learning about authors the other day, uh, you know, like Jane Eyre and and, uh, Jane Austen and, and all the Janes who wrote books, what's an author? They'll be like, oh yeah, someone who just, he writes a book and, and scripts it out and decides all the events that happen. And you're like, oh, is God the author of sin? They'll be like, then they'll have this like <laughs> existential crisis, this panic attack. Like, no, all sin is controlled and predetermined by God, but God is not the author of sin. It's like, what is an author? They don't want to answer. They, they don't want to answer. It, it doesn't behoove them. They they want the phrase just to stand alone and without yeah. meaning. God is not the author of sin. Well, what would it take for God to be the author if yeah, you're claiming yeah, what, God's? What does it mean? What, what what does being the author of sin mean? You know, yeah, what would that mean? What were are some examples of someone being the author of that sin, and such that we could see if God is actually the author of sin in your model? And they they won't want to answer. It's actually really funny, and so. It is. It is outrage. Maybe we'll listen to one more exchange or see how far this goes. If, if antecedent, okay, antecedent conditions are either sufficient or insufficient to causally necessitate all effects. That's true by the law of the excluded middle. Okay. So, did God create I, the I'd antecedent? Like to know what apostle I'm asking said a question. Did God create the antecedent conditions to causally determine the Christian man to sin? God created all things, and therefore. Good Lord, I hope he did, because he has used my sin in my life, not only to... Tim Stratton, Tim Stratton better follow this up with, is that a yes? <laughs> my sanctification okay. making me more like Christ, but also in my helping others who are going through the same thing. How can, how can you stand at a graveside and not recognize the importance of this? So God causally determines sin and evil. This brings us to the problem of evil. Let me ask you another question. Was not... Okay, you just made a statement that's actually a question. Acts okay. chapter 4 it, says he did. What is Now follow it up and say, well, okay, is that a yes? Yes or no? Did God, whatever. And uh, make him say yes. Make him say it. Or make him make him uh, do this thing where he's like, oh, oh I, I don't want to answer the question directly because answering the question directly doesn't look very good. What is Acts chapter 4 God saying? causally determines every single thought of evil. Every you just evil said thought God, and action. You just said God, God, God determines every sin. sinful evil thought and action. God, the Bible does said, not say that. You just said God determines sin. God de- I said, no, I said, does God determine four. every single evil thought and action? Every single evil thought? Show me in Scripture where that says that. Question. If humans never possess libertarian freedom, then that means that antecedent conditions are sufficient to cause and determine all things about humanity, and Ed would be true. However, if antecedent conditions are insufficient to causally determine all effects of humanity... When he says Ed, he's talking about eternal, divine determinism. Ed. ...then Ed is false. So based upon the law of the excluded middle and non-contradiction, either my view or your 
view is true. Multiple choice questions for you. Question. Okay, okay. Whoa, 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 please. Is the case, is it the case? Okay, I'm not going to answer questions based upon false definitions. Okay, it's, it's uh, a waste of our time. Is I'm it, not going to do it. What, false definitions? Yes. In the case, let me ask you, my time to ask you a question. In the case of the first sin, were the prior conditions A, sufficient, or B, insufficient to causally necessitate it, the first It's not helpful what he's doing. And called it creature yeah, I don't think so either. Like, like I understand that, like, he, he's had he's had the opportunity. It's like, like uh, you know, a hunter who's almost got his prey in the net and that sort of thing, and he just, like, he can't pull it. He doesn't know how or something. Yeah, so the correct thing to do is like, okay, use your own definitions. Uh, give me a yes or no answer, and then you can tell me your definitions. But I'm just looking for the yes or no definition. He just ran back to monologues instead. He couldn't. He couldn't figure out how to dialogue him into. You know, he was he was there. He was there where you could break him, but he didn't want to do it. Or yeah, he didn't. I, I, yeah, you could. So uh, someone's like, you ask someone a question: Is God the author of sin? And they're like, oh, you mean something different by author. The correct response is. All right, just give me a yes or no, and then you tell me what you mean by author, and it puts them, it puts the onus back on them. And it's like, we'll use your definitions. I don't care about definitions of words. Definitions are just semantics. If I'm using a different definition of the same word, I'll tell you, but for, for the sake of the debate, we'll use your definition. It's okay, we'll roll. Just answer the question. And they don't want to answer the question. It, it is so funny. And uh, giving a little laugh or chuckle or or some sort of cue to the audience that this is the, the guy's just running. Yeah. That's a silly circumstance, right? Yeah. It, 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 you have to cue the audience instead. He is, he's getting kind of angry here and he's pressing, he's getting heated. Um, he's not indicating to the audience that James white is obfuscating that James white is running from the questions. He's, he's, he's not indicating that. Let's reiterate that for us. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the three-minute sermon you just gave, if you don't mind, uh, and maybe take even half that time in responding to it. Uh, I have pointed out more than once that your definition of libertarian freedom is primarily... It's creaturely freedom. Your definition that you have used of the term libertarian freedom, which you've used in your presentation and which you used in your question, assumes things that I have already said I do not believe. You know the difference between... Holy buckets. This debate is not about what James White believes. This this debate is about is Molinism biblical? So for the sake of the debate, they should affirm Tim Stratton's definition of libertarian free will and see if it's biblical or not. And then he could argue for a different definition or if that definition doesn't make sense. Instead, it's what do you believe versus what, what do I believe? It's... Uh, a lot of these debates degenerate into this. Between categorical freedom and conditional freedom. And I explained freedom. why it doesn't work in uh, my well, rebuttal. <laughs> well, uh, no, playing no. the bass on an airplane. You didn't. Uh, okay, yes, so I did. Oh, I no. That, that was a really cringy part of his opening statement or his cross-examination or something that we missed, where he starts talking about, you know, I, I'm pretty good on a bass guitar. And like, what are you doing? What, are, are you like humble bragging to everyone about... About your music, music it, it, bass players, are they like cool? Is this your attempt to be cool to the audience? He's like, I'm pretty good at a bass guitar. So if uh, I was on an airplane without a bass guitar and God commanded me to play a sweet bass line like I know how to do, then I couldn't do it because I don't have a, have a guitar, a bass guitar, like I know how to play expertly because I'm <laughs> such a good bass guitarist. Oh, no. Oh, no, it's so bad. Like, well, uh, what are... it's. 
Oh man, it's like uh, we're we're talking about the on the David Paulman podcast when we're talking about David Paulman, and uh, he has this profile and it just lists all his beliefs. It's like, what are you signaling to your audience? It's kind of cringy. It's 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 not like cool to like list out all your beliefs. It's not cool to say, I know bass guitar. I could play a pretty sweet rift or something. It's what does that look like to the audience? It's just it looks kind of cringy. It looks. And this is a grown man. That, yeah, that's... It, it looks like your entire life is on your sleeve and artificial. Oh, <sighs> just be genuine. I'm, I'm just asking for genuine human interaction. I'm not. I'm not convinced that either of these two have libertarian free will. Simply making up a story is not a meaningful rebuttal. The Bible tells us that we are judged on the basis of doing according to our nature and our desires. That God and your, base, and your base playing on a plane does not undo what the scriptures teach. Okay, next question. Yeah, so if I was James White, I would understand how cringy that is and bring it up quite a lot or try to use it in an example to refute his belief, um, basically mocking the idea that he used it as an illustration. That's, that's what I would do if I was James White because that would be funny. Did God, A, cause and determine the regenerate Christian man who sadly fell into temptation? You said you, we all still do that. So did God, A, cause and determine the regenerate Christian man who sadly fell into temptation and raped the little child to rape the little child? Or B, could this regenerate Christian man have taken his thoughts captive to obey Christ and taken the way of escape God promises to provide so that he did not have to rape the little child, yes or no, or A or B? Uh, to, to even ask yes or no with a loaded question like that is simply absurd in my opinion. I'm sorry, I, I, I like you, Tim, but these, I like you too. But these uh, questions that you've decided to write up and load in such a way, I hope everyone is listening to this. Well, it's a yes I really or no do. question. No, it is not a yes or no question. It is, is absolutely it? absurd to talk about regenerate man, to not talk about what God's purposes in that person's life would be, to not talk, talk about the interaction with that child, the parents, anything else. God is glorifying himself in everything that happens. You and I are... It's like, you're a determinist, yes, and the person's like, yep, yep, God predestines all things. Um, does God predestine rape? And they're like, how dare you ask that? How dare you, sir? The nerve you have. So, you know, the Scopes Monkey Trial. But, but he doesn't have a way to answer it, right? Like, well, he does. There's no way to just say yes or no without... He, he's been forced to, in, in prior debates, he's been forced to say, yes, God predestines and decrees rape. And so um, he doesn't like doing it. And so it, it's better to throw this fit. How dare you, sir? So the Scopes Monkey Trial, um, Clarence... Uh, what, what's the lawyer's name? Clarence, uh, Darrow. Clarence, Clarence Darrow. Darrow. There's that famous scene or something in the movie that where he's like, how dare you? But what, what a lot of people don't realize is that that comes at the end of this big, long, ranting, like rhetorical monologue. It's not like a this is a direct response to something the opposing lawyers actually said. It's basically this rhetorical flourish is like, oh, I'm so holy and you're so base and blow. How dare you, sir? It's it's like that Greta Thunberg lady, that uh, that autistic, like eighteen year old that goes around trying to trying yeah. to sell climate change. How dare you, sir? How dare you? 
and the way to respond to these types of things is to mock it. You mock it. And, and that's, that's what you got to do. They're judged on the basis of what we knew at the time. But, when but we you, couldn't when do you... otherwise? I'm sorry? But we couldn't do otherwise? We're based on what we, we know, what God caused us to know, and caused us to act, and you caused the man confusing. to raise a little you keep child? Confusing. You keep asser asserting that we have to have knowledge of God's decree. That's the otherwise. We don't. We no, only have God. Yeah, no one feigns outrage like James White, writes Roddy. And that, that's true. I don't think he actually cares. I don't think he, he, he cares, has an emotional connection one way or the other. He sees it as a leverage point in a debate to try to, try to uh, flame his audience, inspire the audience, uh, kick up their emotion and their outrage so that he could be seen as winning the debate. God's prescriptive will to go by. So, and so, yes. So I don't know if I ever told you about one of my debates in high school where uh, it was me and my friend Logan were on this team. And uh, we were debating nuclear arms treaties with Russia because that's what high schoolers know a lot about and they could give meaningful dialogue about. And uh, my, my debate partner, he was up in front giving his presentation and he mispronounced a word. And so the, the, our opponents came up and they are like, ah, this person's trying to make the point about this. They, don't, they, don't, they can't even say this word correctly. It's like they were personally attacking us and harping on us. <laughs> <laughs> like we're all high schoolers <laughs> and, and the coaches just gave them the lowest scores possible and uh, they made us, gave us the highest scores possible and they made those people write us an apology letter and everything it's like so it wasn't it, it, there, the debate literally was not about substance it was about the the judges emotional response to the things that were said during the debate yeah but that that's true about every debate which is why the oral debates are always about rhetoric right you, yeah. you don't actually talk about the issues as much as try to humiliate your opposition in oral debates and you can't do that as easily you could do it in written debates but it's much harder to do that it's a lot easier if you're tim stratton and you uh humiliate yourself <laughs> you, you you make <laughs> you're your you licking <laughs> yeah, your shoes. yeah you grovel at the feet of your your critic who just hates you it's but the, it's, then declare victory at the end yeah <laughs> It's like, guess what? Me and James White are bros. We had this conversation, and James White's like, "Yeah, buddy, we had a conversation. Yeah, buddy, we're buddies." Like, no, nobody's buying it, James White. No one's buying it. The, the man can do otherwise if he desires to do so. So the so question, the, the question is, mm -hmm. has God decreed what would take place? And yeah. in your own system, you say so, that so, God decreed that. So, so if the man could have done otherwise, if God would have causally determined him to do otherwise, that's what you're saying. So, uh, so too many words to say, does God decree rape? Yes or no? That, that's intuitive. That's simple. It's not like, if there's a regenerate man who does X, Y, Z and... That, that's that's too long. That's that's they, not intuitive. They can't work outside their system. And and James White could say, well, uh, a regenerate man can't do that, but an unregenerate man can, or a regenerate man before he's regenerate. So there's there's a lot of outs. You got to keep the the questions very simple, straightforward, and intuitive. And half the audience, I don't know what this audience is, but if they're like normal people. And you start talking about regenerate man and unregenerate man, they start tuning out like, what the heck? A regenerate man? What? What's a regenerate? What? Unregenerate? What? What's happening here? 
like you have a million definitions they're all very abstract they're very arbitrary too and then everyone kind of has their own twist on all these different definitions so it's like like these debates are always about semantics in the end because they're all trying to they all have these keywords that they want to say i'm attached to this keyword right so we all agree on these keywords therefore we are good christians but then they all try to try to weasel their definitions or sort of like come up with their own twist on it right yeah is molinism biblical and tim stratton's like your beliefs are bad james white so that's maybe maybe they should re retitle but, the debate but the, they're doing james white did the same thing back well, yeah. So, so maybe the the whole debate could be just re retitled: "Is my opponent's beliefs naughty? Are, are they bad and reprehensible?" That maybe that that'd be a more accurate debate title. So, no, so, I'm not saying no, that. No, no because I could have played the bass guitar if God oh, no. gave me a bass guitar. But he oh didn't. no, so it doesn't make sense to I hold me responsible. I can't force you to hear my rejection okay. of listen, your redefinition. So yeah, I could have played the 27-piece Symphony Orchestra. I don't know how many pieces there are in orchestra, but I'm such a great player of all these instruments. Ladies? Ladies, are you listening? Hey, ladies, did you hear about my instrumental talents? <laughs> a Christian man who I rapes the little girl. Question, can I can't You all the, seeing this? Uh, okay, you're all, all right. seeing it. Are, all you, right, are you saying that he's not answering my question? Okay. No. So, <laughs> no, they're all agreeing. That's because you've got all your Molinists That's sitting your there. That's your Calvinists right there. <laughs> Are they? they, they <laughs> the, yep. This, this is what I expected. This this is this is what I expected. Okay, clap for your team. Uh, your team is. Um, you're playing the Super Bowl, and your team scores. Clap. The other team scores. You boo. God, they scored. Those people. They they moved the ball into the end zone. They're awful. So, Who put the signs on the pews that say the Molinists sit there and the Calvinists sit there? They automatically segregated people. <laughs> what? Did they freely choose to sit there? Yes, they did. <laughs> you were determined. Okay. No, they just sat on the side of their okay. guy, Here's right? The thing. Uh, let, let's no, I think they actually... Well, maybe... I, there might actually be signs. I, 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 no, no, no they, were, they were joking because there weren't signs, but the people are sorted. That was the oh, joke. okay. There, there, there aren't actually sides, but you're sitting on the side of your guy, right? Yeah, which is, is interesting. Let's just bring it down. I think it just hits us all because we, we, we know that some Christians have done horrible things like raping little kids. Yeah, okay, just make it simple. Does God decree rape? Just, just do it. And then if he doesn't answer, just ask it again. Does God decree rape? That's actually how you communicate to the audience he's not answering the question. Rather than going on this long monologue and then saying, he's not answering, you notice, you guys notice he's not answering. You actually just have to make it painfully obvious. Ask the same question multiple times. Uh, every time he doesn't answer, you just say, I didn't hear an answer there. Does God decree rape? You just got to have keep hitting it. You just keep hitting it and make it obvious. He's not doing that. He, he, he wants actually this weird dialogue that's not really a dialogue to point out james white's obfuscation and we're either left with if ed is true that means that god causally determined that to happen now if molinism is true god doesn't causally determine these things he creates a world in which he knows that it will happen but he also has the end game in mind 
and now you said, and, and, now you and, talked and about you, purpose. You're saying that you're not asking questions, you're preaching. You do realize that I this is the worst cross-examination period I've ever gone through. <laughs> I did not realize that because I'm having such a good time. This is my but first. But you don't know how to ask questions. <laughs> no. Well, you it's really true. Off, off that is true. Also, so anyway, I think I'm done. Am I done? Shall we, shall we blame him? Yeah, I mean, he's sitting here, fault. so why not? Yeah. <laughs> it's the pastor of the church. They blame, get blamed for everything, so I mean, why not? I, I feel it. bad that this guy has deliberately so anyway, tried I mean, to avoid debating people because he doesn't time? know I'm how. Okay. One more minute. Let, like, let's, let's stay on this topic because I'm going to yeah. pick it up. Okay. Tim Stratton? Yeah, yeah. Like, if you were going to sit in front of all these people, you should have, like, practiced by just talking to people over and over again in so many different ways. Instead, he filters out people based on whether or not he, he thinks they're worthy of him. Yeah, so another thing he he does online, Tim Stratton does, is he'll talk past anyone he's conversing with. He won't make any effort to understand them, and he'll have all his talking points and won't interact with their actual points. And so this is known behavior from this guy that he only cares about the things that he has to say. And so, of course, a cross-examination with someone who only cares about their own voice is going to be just that one guy's voice. That, that, that might be predictable. It's not a prediction I made because uh, I wasn't following this. I, I was thinking of skipping this whole thing and just never watching James White. But uh, I got bored, I guess. Yeah, I don't know how, like, you can only build up your audience so far with that sort of mentality because really you just you're looking for yes men and sort of like this team of people who are very insular and holding themselves together they're never going to grow their group i don't know they, if, like he can't be he'll never be the william lane craig uh the second one william lane yeah craig the second no he can't because his personality doesn't allow for it william lane craig is not like him at all personality wise yeah, absolutely. I don't think William Lane Craig is a narcissist like this guy. On your, okay, do you affirm that God causally Little determined Lennon. the child <laughs> God decreed it? That's not mean causally determined. Well, I agree. Because, because, you because the, Molin, the Molinist has access. Sorry, sorry, I forgot the rules. Okay, Can go I get more than three words? Yes, go ahead. Okay. I reject the term causally determined because it presents the idea of a moral neutral agent being forced to do something against his will. I am not saying that. I am saying that we as morally meaningful creatures live in a time that God has created and we are judged only on the things that we know. So it is not forcing me to do something. You have 16 seconds. Okay. The antecedent conditions are either sufficient or insufficient to cause... The, the, are, you, are you convinced? The antecedent conditions... I don't know. Is, yeah. is, that a, is that a convincing argument or does it, does it sound like he's just making up words? Necessitate all it, it also seems like it's not that difficult to break him apart because he's he's saying things that that don't really hold up and he, purely on the outrage of the terminology yeah. so it, it looks like That's it would be so easy for him to take on james white if he wanted to and he doesn't know how i i don't think this man knows how to interact with others and I think that's just true throughout his online presence, written and spoken. He doesn't interact. He's, he's stuck in his own bubble and he's found his own enclave of people to, 
to raise that bubble high, but I don't think his interactions fare very well. And the people who he interact with are confused. They absolutely don't know what's going on because they'll make points and talk about contradictions in his theology. And he just, he won't acknowledge his own contradictions. Uh, Follow-up question. Does God casually, casually determine your will? Yeah. So uh, again, though, this debate's not about what James White believes. And so all these James White saying, oh, we wouldn't say this or we wouldn't say that. If, if Tim Stratton actually was tracking the meaning and the, and, and the purpose of the debate, he'd say that's irrelevant to the debate. Is Molinism true? Um, your question should be focused on showing how Molinism is precluded from the Bible. The Bible does not allow the Molinist system. Which Yeah, arguably, you, you could say it doesn't even matter if Molinism is true or false. You know, who cares? Who cares if it's true or false? Is that what the Bible teaches? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they could make that distinction. Okay, so I was, I was debating a Molinist once, and it was really funny. He's like, well, let's talk about uh, if if um, things being known falsifiably in the future means that uh, they have to be faded or not or something like that. I was like, no, let's, let's just look at the Bible. D- does anyone in the Bible actually teach this or anything like that? He's like, oh, I'm glad you're... You're ceding to me that uh, all my all my logic is consistent. And like I'm not doing that at all. I just I don't care about debating your stupid nuanced philosophy with you, a person who I I don't think <laughs> is honest at all in this interaction. And it's a lot easier to ridicule you by showing that none of these biblical authors believed a thing about what you're saying. It's it's a lot more fun for me too. <laughs> And so they really want to talk about their philosophy and they'll take any opportunity to because then they can try to do this uh, dog and pony trick where it's like uh, they got something flashy in their left hand and then they show you or they have something in their right hand and they'll swap them out without you realizing it. Bait and switches, different terms and different senses, comparing human knowledge to divine knowledge in one hand and then saying that the divine knowledge is nothing like human knowledge in another. It's just a bait and switch. And so I... Homie, don't play that game. True or false? If Ed is true, God created the antecedent conditions which causally determine nice everything, nice including question. child rape. Yes or no? Yes or no? Answer it. Okay. Uh, the, your body language was childish. <laughs> you should just say, hey, did God decree child rape? And just straightforward. Don't, don't point at him and then laugh to the audience. Just ask him. All right. 10 minutes. Oh, did, did he not answer? I have, as a pastor, yeah, they, been in they switched. It's his turn now. Horrific <clears throat> incidences of sin. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that in the world God created, all those incidents of sin have a redemptive and glorifying purpose in revealing <laughs> God's character to creation? Amen. I, I guess the answer to that question has anything to do with is Molinism biblical? Into that, yes, I do, and I think it only makes sense on Molinism. Okay, so if that is the case, that means in Molinism, God chose to put each of the perpetrators of whatever horrific um, sin you want to postulate in the position of doing what they did. And he did so purposefully. That's kind of a, so I've, in my written work, I've distinguished between uh, mani- a manipulative.
So how would I answer that? I'd, if he says, um, in Molinism, does all sin have purpose? I'd say, well, Molinists can believe either. So, um, <laughs> you know, you could roll with that. The Molinists can believe either, and either are compatible with Molinism and the Bible. So what's your point? And then you diffuse his entire line of questioning. <laughs> He doesn't have to defend his own particular Correct. beliefs about everything. But he can't step out of his own personal he, beliefs. He, he can't do it because he has to answer. There's a question, and he's like, oh, I got the answer to this. Uh -huh. Oh, I'm going to go ding, answer ding, this. Ding, I know I, this. I know this I, one. <laughs> <laughs> it's the student in class. It's like, oh, I got the answer. I know it. I know it. You don't have to answer every single question. And, uh, you know, it's, sometimes it's detrimental. And sometimes it's it's fun to illustrate to people that there are alternatives and that they're not debating a person. They're debating a system, which I, you, I, I'm sure you saw my interaction with that atheist guy, Skylar fiction. He wanted to debate me a person. I wanted to talk systems and options. He didn't like that very much. He, he wanted to talk about what do I personally believe about something? Not yeah. what are the possible alternatives? Yeah view of Molinism and the strange view of Molinism. And I think everybody can see this. How many of you have seen the Avengers movies? Oh, no. Oh, no. Here we go. All right. Because Jesus loved to tell, help people understand reality by using fictional characters. So I'm going to do the same thing. Um, Hydra. Oh, no. Determined and mind controlled Bucky. Oh, no. Evil acts. And Tony Stark. I mean, how, wrong, ma how many people have seen these movies, actually? Let, let, in that audience. How many people in that audience has seen these movies? I'm going to guess I, that the majority of the people in that audience has seen these movies. I have not seen I, this Bucky. I, Maybe? No, I'm, I'm going to guess that it, everyone on his side of the audience has seen it, and everyone <laughs> on James White's side have not. I don't know. Because, because James White is going to have the older crowd who didn't care about these movies, right? Well, James White in his like uh, personal studio, I think he has like a like a Star Trek background or something like that. So I think he, he tries Trek. to like decades ago. I think he tries to signal affiliation with nerd culture. I think that's he's actively signaling that that's his brand. And so I I I, I wouldn't say that most Calvinists in general have seen those movies, but maybe the ones who care maybe the ones in the audience maybe ones there but it's it's it this is this is more signaling it's like i play bass guitar let's talk about marvel movies right you guys all like marvel movies i am so glad that my kids have <laughs> zero interest in watching marvel movies they they have like zo no interest i i would like if they like sci-fi a little bit more but they have zero interest in marvel there's, movies. there's not a lot of good sci-fi right now either yeah, I made them watch Twelve Monkeys. Yeah, they weren't very excited about that. I'll have I'll have to make them watch it when they they turn like sixteen or eighteen or something, so that they could actually process everything going on there and all the nuance. And then they'll like it once they have better reasoning capabilities. They'll like Twelve Monkeys, guaranteed. To try to kill Bucky when Hydra was the one mind controlling and causally determining his thoughts, which leads led to his evil actions. Okay, everybody realized that he was evil. Dr. Stratton, Let me I add one, one more Dr. important Stratton. point. Please, <laughs> one more important point to answer this question. The same not people, answering the question. Oh, I am because it's going to be clear. Everybody knew that Hydra was to be blamed, oh, and not no uh, Bucky. Dr. However, Stratton. when Doctor Strange <laughs> actualized a circumstance 
where Thanos would freely choose. Holy to evil. buckets! Um, everybody, even though Doctor Strange had the end game in mind, knowing that Thanos's evil would be defeated and all the saints would be raised, everybody praised wow. Doctor Strange for being the hero. Yes. Oh, look at look at James White. Look at James White. Oh, I'm going to rewind that so we can watch James White's actions during this monologue, which is fantastic. James White kind of he's I think he's reading the room. And I think he knows the cameras are on him, and he's using physical gestures to undermine Tim Stratton. Important point. Please, one more important point to answer this question. The same not people, answering the question. Oh, I am, because it's going to be clear. Everybody knew that Hydra was to be blamed and not uh, Bucky. His exasperated size, his weaving, his, his face palm. Let's watch. However, I can Dr. totally Stratton, relate, though. This is so ridiculous. Lies. This is, I, no, I'm saying James White is doing good here. James White is he's his physical actions are appropriate for the situation. Look, he's doing the eye roll here. A circumstance where Thanos would freely choose to do evil. Um, everybody, even though Doctor Strange had the end game in mind, uh, yeah, he, he's belittling it. And he's like, "Oh, Layton, how are you doing?" He's like, he's like talking to the audience. He's just rambling now. We can do whatever we want. Like, I guess this. I guess this is our lives now. <laughs> Knowing that Thanos' evil would be defeated and all the saints would be oh, raised. Oh no! Everybody, look, see, see. Praised he, he grabbed the Bible and look at it. Look at look. At, Look at him do it! Look at him do it! Oh, it's so fantastic! <laughs> oh, I, I actually, but that—that that is a really good point. This guy cannot come up with a biblical example to make his point. Yeah, if you're gonna find an example, use biblical, or or use you gotta use something simple too. You you can't it can't be this recounting the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, that, and, and people have to like try to understand what the rules of the universe are, and, or even if it made sense in the story. It's like, like okay, <laughs> now there's a character named Thanos. What's what's his relation? It's what there. There's a new guy. Where did he come from? What's his goals? What's his motive? What can he do? I don't. Everyone in the story thought so and so was at fault. See what what <laughs> what therefore he, therefore that's how guilt's assigned. And... <laughs> oh man, it's. Oh God, no! Oh no! Yeah, it's strange for being the hero. I was, I was almost ready to say that he won the debate, but uh, <laughs> this, yeah, you, is, this is the sinker right here. Oh, so you were going to say Stratton won the debate? Yeah, because for a little while he was actually pressuring uh, James White, right? Like he was trying to get him to talk about does God cause sin, even though he did it in a terrible way I, I i didn't feel like james white really had a good handle on answering it but at this point it's like i don't know yeah but then you you, you have to discount all the groveling that happened in the first interaction and all the the monologues and james white pointing out that that's not what the debate's about and so i who knows it, what this debate's about at this point <laughs> no no th this debate's not about anything <laughs> okay sorry <laughs> David writes four paragraph meme. <laughs> it's like these memes that are just like walls of text. It's like, oh, you think this? Well, here's this funny meme. You're like, I'm not reading that. I, I, I don't have time to read that. <laughs> the point. Did 
God, according to your... So here's the thing, like all the Calvinists, when, when William Lane Craig had his debate with James White, they're like, you only say William Lane Craig won because you don't like Calvinists. I'm like, no, you look at their performance, their arguments, uh, their, their, their behavior. It's like you watch, watch for micro expressions. You could see all these things. You, you, you could, you can actually see what's going on. Um, I don't think, I don't think Stratton's winning this. So I, I don't think it's me being anti-Calvinist, which is, which is clouding my perception. Position. This is the question I just asked. Idol killer says just tuned in, uh, recount everything from the beginning. Feel free to start over. All right. Ask, and I would like to have a direct answer to it. Did he purposefully and knowingly place the perpetrators and the victims in the position? Since you've, you've, you've said God decrees everything, exhaustive yeah. providence. Mm -hmm. Did he, knowing what the outcome would be, place those people in the, the situation that resulted in those grave sins yes or no god created a world in which he knew Holy. what evils would be committed freely and so he knew that by putting that just just follow up is that a yes so james white should have just said is that a yes and then uh see what he responds with and that's you, you want to try to get a clear yes it's like did that explanation is that a yes because it's sounding like a yes is that a yes that position that person in that position what the outcome would be he wasn't surprised just like dr strange did with Thomas. oh he no surprised. that's okay. right so was that so as to reveal something about god was it a redemptive revelation about god or is it just the best that he could do given middle knowledge it would be uh i think so this is like his original line of questioning he's going back to because he never got the answer. He never got, can God figure out and actualize the circumstances to make any particular individual accept him? I, that, that's, that's where he's going. He never got the original answer in his original cross-exam. Yeah. He's trying to dig it up. Yeah. I think this world that's, uh, that was created is the best feasible world uh given libertarian freedom not middle knowledge so so this isn't a middle knowledge issue i mean it is it's related but but give but if god is going to create free creatures that he does not causally determine then that means he cannot causally determine them if he chooses you just got to re-ask the question at this point you just keep re-asking until they actually answer the actual question just to do so if he's powerful enough to do so so if god creates a world if it's important to him to create libertarian free creatures then he lets them act freely and he but he you, also knows how they will freely choose before he creates the world you, and so he can predestine a libertarian free choice you told atheists that my understanding uh, makes god accountable for these horrible evil events well and i don't yet, I, god's yet, not accountable to anybody and you just said that god decreed to put all of those people the victims and perpetrators into a situation uh, when I mean, he has he's trying to say we're, we're both in the same boat, right? Like that—that's his line of questioning. That I, we both I think, have to give the same answer to the same question. I think this is—he's he, like somewhere outside this debate. You said this one thing that made me very angry. This is my opportunity to address which made me angry, well, and now well, I'm going to get you. Well, well no, they're t they're talking about basically the problem of evil, and he's saying, look. Modalism basically has the same problem of evil because God predestined that situation, right?
Yeah, yes, he is doing that. That one hundred percent true. But I, th- it's it's based on a little bit of vindictiveness. You've said this in the past about my theology to atheists, and I got a bone to pick with you, and it's my opportunity to pick that bone. I'm gonna get you back. I'm gonna show that you're in the same boat. Is his middle knowledge infallible? He's in, God is infallible. Okay, he's omniscient. Uh, he has middle knowledge of what's going to happen. How is your theodicy superior to mine? Because on your view, God could causally determine heaven from the beginning. There doesn't have to be any single instance of sin or evil ever if God causally determines everything. However, so what does that have to do with the with the with the because issue my theodicy is up? superior because how because. Because, on your view, God could have heaven from the beginning. On my view, God creates libertarian free creatures with the end game in mind, knowing that evil will be defeated, the saints will be raised, God will amen. be glorified, yep, yep. and All humans will be glory. rationally responsible, but, morally responsible, and true love can exist. But yep. this is beyond the scope of yep. what I have talked about in my opening speech today. But it's not beyond the scope of what Molinism is, so simply trying to dodge no, it, it is. doesn't it's mean It's beyond anything. the so scope the of, what is, I, of mere so Molinism. If Molinism has bad... Theodicity, theodicity. Uh, if if it makes God into a moral monster, it's false. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the argument. So far, yeah. Which which is actually pretty rich coming from Calvinists who make God responsible for all evil, uh, eternally declaring, predestining, and making sure it comes right. to a pass. That's why I thought what he's trying to just say is that we have to give the same answer. Is that not <clears throat> what he's trying to say? Oh, well, James White's going to say that God had higher purposes or something, and in Molinism, God doesn't have those higher purposes. And so he's going to argue his theodicity that is, is better than, than Stratton's. Therefore, his is the more correct one. Whoever, whichever view of God makes God the bestest, that's the true one. <laughs> so I, I would wonder if there's a Thomas Ord, James White debate, how that would go, where Thomas Ord says God can't curse everyone because that violates his love and uh, God's love triumphs over everything. So that would be an interesting discussion. That one, maybe I'd go even watch, I'd go, like in person. Okay, so you brought up the question of evil acts to me, and when I then zero in on how... You- Did you ever see the James White interact with that Mormon kid? No, no, there, no it, it is hilarious because this Mormon kid doesn't have respect for James White that James White thinks that this Mormon kid should have. Uh, and so the whole interview and interaction is like, well, uh, L- the LDS, Latter-day Saints Church, teaches this. And uh, you look at Bible scholarship and they say this. And then James White says, "That's that's I disagree. That's what uh, it means this instead. And the, the L- LDS kid, he's like, well, I disagree. I, I guess you just make claims. <laughs> and so <laughs> it treats, oh, it's, it's just the funniest thing in the world. And James White's like, I could give you an autographed book of mine that's very popular. And all, all my people who, they love me, they they would kill for like an autographed book of mine that I will give you. And he's like, I, I, it's like, that means nothing to me. Your autographed book means nothing to me. And he was so offended, James White. Oh, it that that is actually a really funny interaction that uh, brings me great joy. Brings me this this kid. Um, uh, what's his name? Something L. Quaiku L is the kid's name. 
uh, out of Salt Lake City. A fantastic interaction. How did James Wine? I thought he pre- prevents himself from debating people that he doesn't know how to handle. Well, I think he thought he could handle this kid, but this kid actually knew a, a little bit about biblical. Yeah, it, it, it is, is literally like a LS or LDS seminary student. Uh, black kid or something like that. They flew him out to the studio and had this interaction, and it is just great. <laughs> Your theodicy puts God in the exact same position. You dismiss it and say, it's I'm not, not going to answer It's not the exact same position, Dr. White. Because it is far all you from said, it. All you Listen. said in your response just now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you went on and on and on. Was, okay. Well, there was, there was libertarian free will someplace. There is no libertarian free will involved when God determined, when God says, I'm going to put the perpetrator there and the victim there. Oh, that's still free. On my view, that's still free in a libertarian sense. But God knows, but God knows but what the result's going to be. <laughs> Knowledge so he, doesn't. He, okay, I don't know how far we're in, we're, but there's been no Bible. Is Molinism biblical? Bible <laughs> face down? Nothing. Like, n- no d- biblical discussion. None. So, yeah. not that. No interaction. Causal relation. Let me say that again. Causal knowledge does not stand in causal relation. There is a break. Look, antecedent conditions, prior conditions are either sufficient or insufficient to causally necessitate all the effects of the human. So God decrees to put people in that position, but because it's not causally determined. There's a break in the causal chain. And so therefore that man, that man who raped the child is responsible. But it was absolutely certain to happen when God decreed. Certainty is not necessity. And that's a huge philosophical mistake you're making. Oh, certainty is, okay. So, but how does it give you any type of answer to the th- question of theodicy. The same because, way because that everybody uh, knew that Hydra was evil and the doctor <laughs> no, was a hero. No, Go watch the movie. Don't do it. Clear. Don't do <laughs> it. Buy my book. Watch this movie. <laughs> Could I ask a simple question? Could you show me an example? It's like, to understand my theology, have you watched 27 Marvel movies? <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, look, look, he finally held up the Bible. I was going to ask a question about the Bible. <laughs> and the really funny thing is that all of our experience in real life and in movies and in film really is open theism. There's a linear yeah. timeline and uh, things are flexible based on your knowledge. And so he's like, these Marvel, a Doctor Strange could see into the future and actualize a particular one. Molinism. It's like, is is that what Molinism teaches? Is is that really is that isn't it that he has made this unfalsifiable decision about the universe that not even he can change? And so it's everything that we experience is open theism. Our experience is our the future is not set. People can change things, people can subvert what will be based on processing current information. It's presentism. The future is not a place that exists, and the past is not a place that exists. All that exists is now. Pull that in here. I think from the whole of Scripture we get that. And the guy, no, no, give me an example. Uh, <laughs> Wait, scripture can always give you, give okay. you an example. Um, Ezekiel thirty-three, yep. five and eleven. Uh huh. Right. Let me type it up here. Oh no. First time. <laughs> oh, they, they both opened the Bible. Right, this is Molinism in a nutshell. Uh, I'll give you uh, verse 5 and then verse 11. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But 
if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. There's, God has knowledge of this counterfactual. And now we have verse 11, which implies libertarian freedom. Say to them, as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Hey, remember that there's that verse in Deuteronomy. It's like when you go to war, sound some trumpets to make sure God's aware so that he's with you during the war. <laughs> 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 that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways. Why will you die, people Tim, of Israel? What's the context? What's the, the, the what, context? What is, what, yeah. The context is that they have multiple options, each compatible with their no. nature. That's not oh, the, the so That's not what it, that means. Those who died what to die. What is the biblical context, sir? Can you step out of I, your philosopher well, role I'm, long I'm enough to open the <laughs> good looking at good good on white yeah. that's that's a very good strategy and tactic and yeah he himself is guilty of it and Tim Stratton could use it back against white but he hasn't found the opportunity or doesn't understand to do that. Oh, he doesn't know how to. Bible verse on the screen. And what and was God going on here? What started in Ezekiel 18? What continues in Ezekiel 33? The people but, are saying there is no reason for us to repent because the, the fathers have eaten the sour grapes and the children's teeth are put on edge. Sh and so we don't have to do any of these things. And what God is should, saying, I'm warning you, I'm Tim warning has you, no idea. do not take pleasure. Yeah, Tim so he has no idea what the context is. Like, at least hound him a couple of times until it's clear this guy has no idea about the verse he just quoted. That, yeah, that would be really funny and that would be very effective. Don't, yeah, just don't just start spitting it out. Just yeah. say, hey, th this is your proof text. Why don't you tell me about it? What's happening? Who's talking? Who are they talking to? What's the situation? It's like, d does context mean nothing to you or are you just like proof texting? Yeah. During the death of the wicked. Right. Turn from your wicked right. ways. He uses means. None of this wait, has wait, anything wait. to do with establishing wait. your definition okay. of libertarian right, freedom. Remember in my opening but, but, speech, but, but, my, my opening speech when I said this is like uh, God determining people to be born without arms and then commanding them to shoot a left-handed layup okay. and then holding them responsible you for what for not doing it. You didn't, that, yeah, you uh, did right? not give us an example. Of I'm what, giving uh, you an example. Thanos isn't in here, and there is nothing about Thanos in here. There is nothing. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Mark his example. Mark his example. James White, you're doing it. You're doing it. But evil Thanos. is. Is evil not Could found in there? Look? Is evil not found in there? Oh. They clap. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. James White's doing it. He's taking him to task. Gosh. You would get mad at James. That, that was the perfect callback. That was the perfect callback, brilliantly executed by James White. Jesus for telling a parable and using fictional characters to tell us about reality. That's exactly what I'm doing. When I'm twisting, if you're twisting scripture, yeah, what that would be a problem. What verse have I twisted? Uh, how about Isaiah chapter 10? Uh, we what could, about we could go there. Well, tell me what I twisted. Because uh, I haven't. Okay. I think so. Oh, man. I think uh, James White is excelling because he's actually opened the Bible. <laughs> yeah, so Tim Stratton, he could have redeemed himself and said, okay, how does the context invalidate what I said about this verse? This verse is saying, you could have done this, but then you didn't. And so that's a genuine belief by the author of that passage that the people had the capability, capacity to make those choices. How does the context negate what I just said. So that's how he could have salvaged himself, uh, but he didn't. Instead, he, he fell for it. He got flustered. 
He got defensive, and he well, didn't address he, the criticism. He, he didn't know the context, so he couldn't make that. He, like he, but he, he could have shot from the hip, is what I'm saying. He could have shot from the hip and saying, "I don't think we've seen him sh hip shooting all this debate." Right? He can't shoot from the hip. Well, he can't. But <laughs> I, th I think it is uh, epistemological possibility that he could uh -huh. have shot from the hip. In that it, fashion, it, and salvaged salvaged it, that point. It, it, it's it's a modal world. It's one of the possible worlds. And not a probable just, world. It's not, a, not a probable world. It's one of the possible ones. It's a possible, <laughs> but very improbable world. He could have salvaged this point. And so that's the thing. So you might not know the context of your proof text. Maybe the person you're debating does know the context. But does your point stand regardless of what they tell you the context is? How does their context mean what you say about that verse is false? Like he didn't even listen to what James White was saying to, to be able to respond to it. Like he no, was he, trying to talk over James White while James White was talking. Yeah, the, which is it really plays bad for for Stratton to the audience that he's not he doesn't know the context. James White's trying to explain the context and he's not listening. He's not having it. Oh, that's 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 fantastic. Well played, James White. Time to actually get through all those questions. Almost. Almost. Uh, I think we'll have some good questions. I'll so so all of these questions are from the audience? It's pretty cool that somebody attached a 20 to their question. Did that, <laughs> did that, did that influence it, it, your... It's, your, it's it like might. if you don't let <laughs> them ask the questions, it becomes yeah, a more like interesting the debate. Or the gal. Okay. You go first. Uh, Five minutes, I'm going to stay seated here, or should I move? Oh, no, so I think uh, these are the questions. Th that other part was actually a continuation of their back and forth. Was it? Oh, okay. Okay. And so, but we lost audio for like like five minutes randomly in the middle, so maybe we missed something. What are you doing with these setups? These chairs are just so goofy that uh, these people's feet are just kind of dangling off. You have to kind of sit in them weird. And the feet are totally exposed to the audience too, so yeah. it's like let's let's watch people's feet, see what they do with their feet, with their hands. Uh, you're just gonna yeah, get to. <laughs> I think they're getting ready. Right. It says final statement. All things and two humans occasionally possess oh. libertarian freedom. These are closing arguments. Okay. All things. Okay. And two, humans occasionally possess libertarian freedom. I then noted that since it's impossible to causally determine a libertarian free choice, by definition, the only option left is that God predestines libertarian free humans via middle knowledge. In summary, <laughs> Okay. Here's his arg argument. If Calvinism is false, the only other option is Molinism. Ah, uh, I don't know about that. There's Arminianism, there's open theism, and uh, if you want to classify Arminianism as different things, maybe provisionalism, I don't know. He but, must think he won the debate just because, you know, he says, I'm I'm right, therefore I won my debate. I, I, it must be what goes on in his head. He's like, I like the points I made. Oh, they're very good points? Oh, I must have won. I must <laughs> <laughs> All Christians should affirm Molinism for the following four reasons. One, the doctrine that humans occasionally possess libertarian freedom is supported by the biblical data. 
Two, the doctrine of divine predestination is supported by the biblical data. Three, it's logically impossible. Yeah, he misses opportunity to actually show some of these points that sometimes within the Bible, humans are given libertarian freedom or choices. And even white Calvinist kind of affirms that in the case of Adam, because standard Calvinism is that after the fall, that's when humanity got imbued with this uh, fallen nature and forced to sin. And now we re need regeneration. But what about Adam? And in the, there was the Theodore Zachariah debate against Jonathan Pritchett. And he was asked explicitly, well, okay, let's just pretend everyone else doesn't have libertarian freedom. How about Adam? And they wouldn't want to answer that question. They didn't want to answer that question. So in, in their system, their system necessitates that Adam also doesn't have a libertarian freedom. So it's like yeah. the falls, the falls meaningless. It's, it doesn't yeah. like imbue a new nature onto someone. It's like, what's, what's the nature being changed? Possible to causally determine a libertarian free choice. <laughs> and four, middle knowledge is the only way to. Roddy says, I won because Thor defeated Loki, the end. It's like, I won because Thanatos. Yeah. Guys, watch Marvel. I win. Did you miss my point? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, given that the Marvel universe is accurate and representative of reality, let's talk about this. <laughs> it's like, did you guys ever see Doctor Strange movie? Wasn't that pretty cool? He did some like teleportation. I don't know if you've ever seen like anyone who does a review of these Marvel movies and they point out all the plot holes. It's like, is this really the thing you want to? uses your example of truth <laughs> no it, it's it's 100 signaling is what it is i oh i am God. a i am affiliated with marvel movie fanatics therefore i'm part of your culture therefore you should take like your me. affiliation with marvel which you love and then take that love and transfer it onto me who also loves these marvel movies we sh we share affiliations i'm part of your group this is yeah. this is signaling to predestine a libertarian free choice. Let me conclude by discussing best explanations. The inference to the best explanation is the story that explains all the facts better. So that's one thing that we need to watch that explains a lot about what happens happens in the, our world is a lot of it's in-group, out-group signaling. And I used the example to my kids today that, you know, all the LGBTQ, T, B, B, Z, Z, they, they keep changing the terminology. It's not because uh, the science is growing and, and now they have a deeper understanding of human nature. It's because as that terminology is adopted by a wider audience, then it's a lot harder to figure out the in-group and the out-group. Who's one of, one of the woke and who's not one of the woke? And so if they have consistently changing terminologies and vocabulary, they're better able to identify the in-group as opposed to normies or the out group and so signaling explains a lot of human behavior and i think in in the, these marvel examples in these bass guitar examples it's, it's all about signaling than any other story molinism can explain the facts as to why a perfect god would allow a world suffused with all kinds of pain evil and suffering whether it be moral natural gratuitous or otherwise Ed Calvinism, however, fails to provide a satisfactory response to the problem of evil. More I Idol Killer says, in my debate with Anthony Rogers, if it ever happens, should I reference the Archie and Veronica of Archie's comics? <laughs> uh, yeah, think of the in-group and out-group for that one. <laughs> it's like, uh, you guys all know Lost in Space, right? You know that, that uh, 1940s 
science fiction series. You, you know that Dr. Smith guy, he's kind of evil, right? And so then there's that episode and no, everyone will be lost. It'd be, it'd be fantastic. <laughs> so maybe, maybe Tim Stratton is actually uh, just doing an Andy Kaufman presentation for us. This is what it would look like if a ridiculous person argued. It's uh, like nonsensical things that everyone will be just, what is going on? Maybe he is a marvelous Andy Kaufman impersonator. Moreover, when discussing if a view is biblical, all the relevant data from Genesis to Revelation must be taken into account and none of it can be ignored. Based upon the whole of scripture, it's rational and responsible to conclude that God exists necessarily and is necessarily perfect in both power and knowledge. Since God's perfection is necessary... Yeah, I, re I remember that part of the Bible. I remember you arguing that was part of the Bible in your debate ever. ...and his decree is contingent, at least if the potter really does have freedom, we can infer that God has the power to create the kind of free creatures described in person. So these are one of those pre-written conclusions that they, they write up and they think it sounds really great. And, you know, it's it's fine. It's a fine conclusion. The problem is that nothing that you established in the debate argues these points. This is a disconnected closing statement from the content of your exchanges. It's just disconnected from everything. Corinthians 10, 13, and also that God possesses the knowledge of how these free creatures would choose even if God never creates them. This means that based upon the whole of scripture, it's rational and responsible to conclude that God possesses middle knowledge. As I recently explained to Dr. White on Twitter, if perfect power and perfect knowledge are necessary attributes of God, then middle knowledge comes along for the ride. This is because God's decree is contained. So one thing I would do if I was actually debating James White is I would not call him James White or Dr. White. I'd call him Mr. White or James White, which will probably infuriate him because Mr. he... Mr. White. <laughs> yeah, I'd be Mr. White. Sure, well, for sure. I'd say Mr. White because <laughs> I, uh, he, he's a narcissist. He'll take that as a personal insult, and it's calling question on his uh, unaccredited doctorate, which, which would be funny because then actually if he responds to me like, oh, can you call me doctor? Then I can say, okay, you can call me doctor too because I have this honorary doctorate over here, and uh, it would just be a funny dynamic. It would just point out the absurdity of the whole situation and, and his insecurities, his insecurities. If, if you want to completely demolish someone in a debate, you have to understand what their actual insecurities are, and you press on those insecurities. <laughs> Push those buttons. Tangent, but God's attributes of omnipotence and omniscience are necessary. So just ask yourself, which concept of God describes perfect power and knowledge? The I've made a lot of girls cry in my life. <laughs> One girl I made cry by just going over the body count of very various Democratic presidents and just talking like, yeah. What, what, what did Jimmy Carter do? Uh, he, he disposed the Shah of Iran, which is taken over by fundamentalists who used women and children to walk across minefields and uh, demine things by blowing up women and children. And she, she could, that was her breaking point. She just couldn't because she thought of herself as a humanitarian and a Democrat. And she just started crying. She's cried. Molinist view that God can create libertarian free creatures and incorporate their free choices into his exhaustive planning of history, or White's view, where God either doesn't have the power to create free creatures or doesn't know how they would freely choose and is thus powerless to incorporate free choices of creatures into his exhaustive planning of history. Indeed, 
As A.W. Tozer would say, White's view of God is a low view of God. <laughs> in White's book, The Forgotten Trinity, as literally in everyone in this debate would say about the other guy. By the very <laughs> of God that turns I got the high view. You got the low view. Therefore, my uh -huh. view is correct. Uh, he does. He does this in internet interactions too. It's like, oh, you got a low view of God because in your view, uh, God gains information, and like he'll just he'll just assert it, and he doesn't like us returning that assertion, saying you have the low view of God. Uh, is really insistent that he has the high view, therefore his view is correct. The worldly person cold, and in fact are often the most offensive to the natural or unsaved man. Do we love God, all of God, including the tough parts of his nature, or do we refuse to bow before those elements that cause us problems? If we love God, White says, we will not dare to edit him to fit our desires. The irony is that White himself is editing God, thus violating his own rules from the Forgotten Trinity by subtracting from God's perfect power and knowledge in order to avoid problems with his preferred philosophical view of determinism, exhaustive determinism. Which so if he's allowed to monologue and monologue by himself with a pre-written speech that he wrote and probably had cross-checked by other people, then he does okay. If he interacts, then it's all, it's all, it's all God. I don't know because I'm, I'm kind of bored. <laughs> like, well, yeah, but he sounds authoritative, and you kind of get the sense that he's saying things, and those things kind of make sense. That he's trying to make a string something together, but that's like all he ever does anyway. He creates arbitrary systems in his head. But if you're just listening to his like cadence and tone, you'll be like, oh yeah, he's saying that pretty authoritatively. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, that kind of makes sense, and maybe that's true. Even though he's like smuggling things in there, but it's it's not a bad closing present. There's no relation to the debate, but it's not bad. Which is not found in Scripture. We must take the whole of Scripture to and for the best explanation of all the biblical data. Ed, that we didn't present at all. Sense of all the biblical data, but guess what? Molinism can. Therefore, a rational Christian who uses the same tools to conclude the triune nature of God ought to also affirm God's middle knowledge and be a Molinist. So I want you to ask yourself tonight, which view is more consistent with the God you see in Scripture? According to Ed, God actually makes every instance of evil happen by way of cause and effect. This includes all of your false theological beliefs, Satan's rebellion, the fall of man, Hitler's holocaust, and as Dr. White has previously affirmed, this even includes child rape. Moreover, according to White's view, God actually makes the majority of humanity suffer into the eternal holocaust of hell because God caused and determined them to possess a sinful nature. Yeah, that's one thing he could have done during that child rape segment was he could have said, in the past, you have said... God decrees child rape, and then you could quote where he says that. Do you still affirm that? <laughs> and the, and then he has to either own his own words or not. But or else you could just do the thing where you just keep asking the question over and over. But using someone's own words and asking if they affirm it is also a good strategy. By contrast, if Molinism is true, God does not cause and determine these things. So let me leave you with the words of Paul once again. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. So that's a good ending because uh, he's made this debate. A debate is, is Calvinism true? And if people are judging for themselves, then Calvinism is false. And so he, he made a pretty good case that Calvinism is false. But he didn't, he didn't really present Molinism is true. Basically, 
if Calvinism is false, Molinism is true, which I don't know. Um, maybe like three people in the world agree with. What you just heard was Calvinism bad, Molinism good. <laughs> See, yeah. That is yes, yes. Okay, so uh, James White is referencing things that actually happened. It's in the debate, so he's not right now in a pre-written segment just repeating talking yeah. points and so this is this is a better presentation it's insufficient to establish the assertion and the debate is decided thereby <laughs> there's been no yes. meaningful defense given of the central aspect of the molinistic system true that is the existence of middle knowledge other than well if god has all knowledge then he must have that too hopefully if you've been following you've recognized that the claim of middle knowledge that there is this knowledge of what people would do before they are even created, before God has even decreed to create them, that then conditions the very decree of God and what world he can produce. I Hopefully you have recognized what the reality is there. So I, I think what happened was James White had pre-written bullet points. And since in the cross-examination, he really couldn't get Tim Stratton to answer these questions sincerely and straightforwardly now he has to look at his bullet points and be like well we kind of established that i hope you guys realized where i was going with that and i hope you realized that tim stratton wasn't answering any of these questions but but we would have got there if we actually just pressed on this point although it kind of didn't happen so james white has some semblance of knowledge about what took place previously in the last hour or two hours in this debate i would like well, to remind you yes this like is a I think what, what people do when they actually come to the closing arguments is they have a bullet point, point list of what to talk about, right? We, we talked about this, and this is what I think. We talked about this, this is what I think. So th that's how you put together a closing argument. You don't really prepackage it and get up there and just say whatever speech you have. Well, if you, if, you could if you could accurately predict what they're going to say, well, no, then no, a no, pre-written speech. Because you have your, your – you know, you already know what's – the terms of the debate are you have like five things right that you want to when you're going into a debate you have like five things you want to talk about something like that that you want to you want to get it in cross-examination and in your major points and you want to see how they respond to it and so you you really just have to bounce back to those things and see what happened in the debate it could be wholly reactive and i think that's what's going on here you don't like it just in general in, in any kind of debate that's what you do you don't pre-write your closing arguments, but you have to have some sort of like list of things that you do with them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, James White is doing pretty well. Like he's, he's, he's done this a number of times, obviously. And he knows what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Biblical. In Acts chapter four, verse 27, for there were gathered together in this city against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, together with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your will predestined to take place. This is the belief of the early church. This is the early church being threatened with violence for preaching in the name of Jesus. And they understood that the intentions of Herod and Pontius Pilate, the Romans and the Jewish people, were very different. 
There were great contrasts between why they were involved in this, her this horrific act of the, of the murder of the only innocent person that has ever existed. But what did they say? Yeah, it's, I, I posted God is Open uh, not too long ago. There's this Calvinistic tendency. It's like, does God decree rape? And they'll be like, how about how about the worst event to ever happen, the crucifixion of Jesus? It's like, if you actually believe that was the worst event to ever happen, then you shouldn't mind talking about the child of rape. Why are we running over here? I don't actually believe that these people believe the worst event ever to happen was the crucifixion of Jesus. I think they think it's more like the child of rape that they don't want to talk about. I, I think that's their mindset. They were gathered together against Christ to do what? To do whatever your hand and your will predestined to take place. So you also see here the Calvinists flexing their dominance of language and definition. So within the Bible, typically when you see the pre-prefects, the pro-prefects, predestined, foreknew, something like that, it's, it's saying that they knew at the time that we're talking about. And so if something was predestined in the past for this event, it typically means it was predestined at the time that we're talking. It was, it was decided at that moment. It's not this eternal decree. It's not a decree that predates the event that you're talking about. It's like the Jews for New Paul. That means they were familiar with him when he was a kid. Uh, the, the Jews specify or predestine an answer to Jesus. That means they've given this answer to Jesus at a prior point of time during the incident that we're talking about when Jesus asked them the question. And the Calvinists, because they've been able to shape the debate for so long, they say, oh, predestination, that's our word. It's about this eternal decree out of nothingness. It's like there, there's, there's, you don't have the context within the Bible to give meaning to that phrase. And so that's why I like to, in debates, uh, just point out times that predestine. I'll point out an English paragraph in, uh, I don't know, Plutarch, which uses the word. They won't be able to identify which word it is in the English paragraph because the, the paragraph is so disconnected from the presumptions that they bring onto that word. But it's a good rhetorical strategy. Read the verse and emphasize the words, and uh, then your audience is like, oh, biblical. He likes the Bible. That is the sovereignty of God. This is not the misrepresentation. This Ed stuff is so pitifully below what the Bible actually teaches that I don't even recognize my own beliefs in Dr. Stratton's straw man representation. And during the cross-examination, I made it very clear. I know what Dr. Stratton claims. Ironic says, maybe this is all Willem Lane. Craig needs to go ahead and agree to a formal debate with White. That's already happened. They had a formal debate. I don't know if you missed it. But to actually stand here and say, I am a Reformed theologian. Anyone who knows what Reformed theologians believe soteriologically and cosmologically and everything else knows that he's not presenting a Reformed perspective at all. Instead, there should be no problem with us all recognizing that God intended the death of Christ because it was not only the worst evil in the history of mankind, it was also the greatest good in all of mankind at all the same time. And let me ask you something. 
the description that is always given of Herod, Pontius Pilate. Well, he's, he's forcing these thoughts into their minds. You think that's a proper description of Acts chapter 4? Do you think Pontius Pilate, do you, do you really think this was some guy who wanted to do the right thing? And you're saying that God gave him the wrong desires and then judged him for it, and this is terrible. The fact of the matter is, the Bible presents us as having creaturely, conditional freedom in the realm in which God has made us. And that's why, yeah, so Joseph's brothers, that's... You're saying that... Tim Stratton's closing arguments was decent and it was working together. I don't, I don't see that. This is conversational. This is, this is following a pathway. This is sort of giving examples, you know, punctuating your words at the right time, making your point clear. I don't think Tim was doing that. I, I don't feel like his closing arguments were really, um, at least rhetorically speaking, I don't think they were that solid. No, I didn't, I didn't say that he's doing a rhetorically good job. But the perception that he is giving of being confident and being educated and being coherent, just the perception in, in his tone was there. So, like, you could go up and listen to a sermon with his cadence and his points and walk away. Maybe you don't get anything from the sermon, but you say, oh, yeah, that guy's pretty good. But uh, James White is doing a better job rhetorically. I'm not saying that, like, they, they both are not... It doesn't. It doesn't have to be that one guy does terrible, another guy does good. One well, guy I mean, can do just, okay. I'm, I'm just saying the contrast is illustrative of what's going on here because um, I'm able to pay much more attention to James White, just just based on how he's speaking, and it's easy to just let Tim Stratton's words flow into the nether. Yeah, uh, he he does have the benefit of going second as well, so. That's why the king of Assyria, that's why Herod, that's why Pontius Pilate, they will be judged for what they did, not because of some myth of middle knowledge where God somehow knew, well, if I put them in that situation, they will freely do this, and therefore, uh, I'm not actually... No. They did freely. So, yeah, you, you will notice the difference between his cadence here and then during his live podcast streams where this this seems like a memorized type of a spiel that maybe he's given a, quite a few times and he's just kind of repeating this spiel. But in his, his live stream, when he's responding to things in the moment, it's always this long continued pause between various words as he seems to be formulating his sentences. So this this does seem to be something that he has stated in this form for these reasons on multiple times in the past yeah to rhetorical effect yeah so in a way he's practiced it but but not as a written down performance or anything yeah probably like as a talking point if they say this then i got this monologue to give they do what they did on a creaturely level that does not make god dependent upon something called middle knowledge the biblical term is eudikia, the kind intention of his will. Yeah, it's Greek. I know Greek, therefore I'm right. God is worthy of our trusting the kind intention of his will. No matter what we see in this world, no matter how much evil is around us, 
But scripture tells us the judge of all the earth will do right. And in that final day, he will be vindicated in all that he has done. Not because he used middle knowledge, but because he acted according to the kind intention of his will and purpose. Thank you for being here this evening. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, um, I do think White did better. I think he came out on top in this debate. Yeah. And Tim Stratton is, is starting out and groveling to Tim or James White. It didn't net him anything. It didn't get him any goodwill. It didn't get him any favors from James White. James White was not appreciative. And that's one thing that Bob Enyart pointed out when it comes to welfare. If you give someone something, um, you lend them money or you give them money for food or like a homeless person, if that person's not grateful, you're doing more harm than good. And so Tim Stratton giving all these compliments is doing more harm than good to James White. James White doesn't care for his compliments. He doesn't, there's nothing in return. You're just groveling at another man. You don't want to, you don't want to be starstruck with your, your debate opponent. And it's kind of humiliating as a man. So any final thoughts? Uh, let's hope uh, they both decide this was a mistake and they don't do it again. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think James White's going to consider this a mistake. I think he's going to categorize this as one of his wins. I don't think he's going to be promoting the William Lane Craig debate, which uh, he... It was so funny to watch those interactions. William Lane Craig laughing in James White's face. It was just the most fantastic, heartwarming thing in the world. Um, just as it kind of was when uh, James White was humiliating Tim Stratton to his face. That was pretty heartwarming as well. A lot of heartwarming moments. A lot of good things coming. I don't know. Uh, but overall, this is not a debate to watch twice unless you're really a glutton for punishment. Maybe like you, you hate your life. Maybe you want to punish your kids. Your kids didn't clean their rooms when they're supposed to. You make them watch this debate. Kind of like put it out there. Get, give them a little, you know, punish them a little bit. It's like Mullness wanted to ride the popularity wave after the William Lane Craig conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think William Lane Craig has been doing a lot of good publicity for Molinism. He's He created a brand around himself. And people want to be associated with that brand, especially because William Lane Craig delves into like more popular subjects like atheism. And so William Lane Craig has quite a few atheist debates where he goes in and the atheists don't they don't have good defenses against William Lane Craig. And William Lane Craig knows how to control his opponents in those debates. And so they, they really can't answer them. Not saying that they don't have answers, but in the debate format, he typically dominates and he's created this positive perception about everything William Craig is and stands for. And people want to be identified with that brand. I don't think Tim Stratton is uh, doing any favors for, for the Molinism brand though. He might, might have his internal supporters, but I, I don't feel like he's I'm just coming. I, I don't have any evidence. I don't feel like he's drawing new adherence to Molinism through his actual work, what he's actually propagating. Well, if you remember, his target audience is Calvinists who don't want to be Calvinists anymore because they find it atrocious, right? Mm -hmm. So he's trying to catch those people, which is a very tiny group of people anyway. Most people don't even bother to begin being a Calvinist, so it's hard to move away from it. I think people find him, but not necessarily 
he converts people. Yeah, they he probably gives them a mechanism for which they have an intellectual justification to forego Calvinism. It's like, oh, this guy wrote these things, must be true. But Tim Strand cannot interact with people with whom he doesn't disagree. He doesn't interact, he monologues. And this is pretty typical in discussions where where people come out confused. They're like, um, I thought Molinism believes that God knows all things unfalsifiably. They believe there's also options. And Tim Stratton's like, yep, of course, because uh, modal fallacy, modal fallacy, modal fallacy. If I throw enough words at the screen, then maybe maybe they'll make sense that uh, predetermined events with 100% certainty, zero falsifiability also can be contingent. Yeah, I'm sure. Enough words will make those two things consistent. <sighs> but uh, yeah, other than that, I don't think uh, I got anything else. So we could probably end about there. I guess you already gave closing thoughts, so I'll let you go. Yeah. Thanks for joining me today. And uh, it, it was painful. I think I need a nap. <laughs> I, yeah, I need a nap, too. Maybe it's nap time. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right.